Another episode of Spliced Together. I'm Harper. Why she wouldn't even harm a fly. And I'm Michelle. You smell good. I do? Yeah. What do I smell? You smell like like the toasted cheese sandwiches. What? On this episode, we're gonna be breaking down the psycho franchise. We'll be discussing all five movies, including the awful remake, and debating how creepy or likable Anthony Perkins is throughout the franchise. That's right. We also have a special guest in this episode, a Dr. Simon, who has a special message for our listeners. Let's hear what he has to say. Thank you for having me, Harper and Michelle. Hello, listeners. As you may have noticed, something may seem a little off in this podcast, something I needed to get to the bottom of. I decided to sit down with Splice together, and I guess you could say I got the whole story. But not from Harper. I got it from... his wife. You see, Harper no longer exists. He only half existed to begin with. Now, the other half has taken over. Probably for all time. To understand it, as I understood it hearing from the wife, that is, from the wife half of Harper's mind, you have to go back three years to the time when Harper and Michelle began this podcast Back to when his wife didn't want to record an episode on Italian giallo films. Incapable of handling the situation, Harper did the only thing he knew how to do, create a podcast and play the role as both husband and wife. So he began to think and speak for her, gave her half his life, so to speak. At times he could be both personalities, carry on conversations, at other times the wife half took over completely. He was never all Harper but he was often only Michelle. Not Michelle? I'll show them. I'll show them exactly who I am. You see that kitty? Why, I'll pet it. I'll pet it and show them. They'll say, she couldn't even resist petting a kitty. And with that, let's dive into our first movie. Good afternoon. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway and as you see, perfectly harmless looking when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. In that window on the second floor, the single one in front That's where the woman was first seen. Now, it was at the top of these stairs that the second murder took place. She came out of the door there and met the victim at the top. Of course, in a flash, there was the knife, and in no time, the victim tumbled and fell with a horrible crash. I think the back broke immediately and hit the floor. It's difficult to describe the way that the, the, the... 
twisting of the of the well I it's I won't dwell upon it. Let, come upstairs. Now an important scene took place in this room. There was a private supper here. And uh oh by the way, this picture has great significance because uh, let's go along to cabin number one. I'll show you something there. The bathroom. Well, they've cleaned all this up now. Big difference. You should have seen the blood. The whole place was, well, it's, it's too horrible to describe. The murderer, you see, crept in here. Very slowly, of course, the shower was on, there was no sound. And, trailer was six and a half minutes long yeah yeah psycho quite a trailer it's kind of giving a tour of the set because he didn't want to give away the actual plot but like, he actually gives is, away yeah he's like this is where they got murdered and yeah. this is where so they the got second murdered murder i guess you can't like play it back on youtube though so yeah, true. most people probably forgot <laughs> ain't that the truth so first movie the titular psycho starring Vince Vaughn. <laughs> no, we're not at that yet. <laughs> um, so Psycho came out in 1960, mm -hmm. directed by a little person, my man, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> my man, my man. Uh, so the synopsis is mm, kind of accurate, but. It's to throw you off. So, a Phoenix secretary embezzles $40,000 from her employees, employer's client, goes on the run, and checks into a remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. <laughs> so, I was also going to say, this is, Psycho comes one year after North by Northwest, uh, two years after Vertigo, and three years before The Birds. This was one of his last movies. This was? Psycho was, yeah. It was towards yeah. the end of his career. What was his last movie? Family Plot. Never heard of it. It's all right. Um, tagline. A new and altogether different screen excitement. Hmm. <laughs> so as you can tell, this is definitely like he doesn't think the movie's going to make money. So he's trying to get the audience like excited by showing nothing. Points. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, written by Joseph Stefano and based on the novel by Robert Block, which I've never read the novel. I'm a little curious about it, though. I am, too, now. And I can. So should we dive right into some stuff about the movie and the trivia and stuff? Sure. So the novel is the killer is based on uh, Ed Gein, who is the guy that 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre is also based on. He's the guy who like collected uh, mostly women's skin and stuff, and he ate people. And uh, yeah, apparently, Science of Lambs is, is you know takes some stuff from his. Is he the as well. the artist that we saw in Savannah? <sighs> trying to remember i think that was john wayne gacy oh yeah you're right never mind wrong serial killer um <laughs> yeah ed gain was pretty <laughs> messed up um and yeah in the book uh norman bates is like a bald kind of overweight guy a little bit more like ed gain than like mm-hmm. the norman bates we know and love yeah i um, have to say anthony perkins is probably the best part of this entire franchise agreed <laughs> Um, one other thing about the book and the crimes that is kind of interesting. So by the way, most of this trivia that I'm going to be spouting off about this movie in particular is from a really great podcast called inside psycho, which I've listened to twice now. It's really, really fun. And the guy has done several, he did one on exorcist and, um, uh, star Wars and jaws, um, that are basically just like these deep dives into the movies. It's like six episodes these really interesting stories and stuff about the making of the movies. Except I listened to part of it and he was really obsessed with all the wine that they drank. And I was like, well, he just goes into a lot of detail about (laughs) the people and their habits and stuff. It's interesting. Like, and then he had a whiskey after it's like, "Eh." so one of the things that was interesting about the novel is that, uh, um, Robert Block wrote it with uh, Norman being obsessed with his mother and stuff. And he, uh, at the time, he didn't know that about Ed Gein and that turned out to be true. And mm. when he found out those, because back then it was just like newspaper stories where yeah. they didn't really want to print all these gory details. When he found out later that what he wrote was very similar, he was kind of like haunted by it because he was like, I made some of the same decisions that this <laughs> insane serial killer did. Or he just connected the dots. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> but anyways... Go on. So, Psycho stars Anthony Perkins, Janet Lee, Vera Miles, John Gavin, Martin Balsam, John McIntyre, and Simon Oakland. Except we mostly focused on Anthony Perkins and Vera Miles because Psycho pulls a scream move. So, spoiler. Spoiler for a <laughs> movie that's, uh, what, 70 years old? Yeah. The uh, 60 years old Janet Lee character famous for the shower scene is not in the movie very long. Probably about 30 minutes of the movie. Maybe even less. Yeah. I'm going to say like 15 or 20. It seemed longer this time than I remembered. But yeah. So we're expecting this leading lady and then she's just gone like Drew Barrymore. Well, and also, I mean, the movie starts as like, it feels very much like an episode of Hitchcock's show. Yeah. Um, uh, like a crime story where this woman decides to steal this money so she can marry her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. They're having this illicit affair. Um, it's not that illicit. Well, they're like meeting <laughs> in hotel rooms and she's like, oh, I hate having to do this sneak around or whatever. And he's like, well, I don't have the money to pay off my father's debts. And so she's no, like, hey, here's... ex-wife's debts. Yeah, you're right. His alimony or whatever. Um, and she's like, hey, here's $40,000. Yeah. Let's go live happily ever after. Yeah, but she's like really guilty about it. She feels yeah. terrible and she's terrified she's going to get caught. Yeah, I do love the whole opening of this movie with following her. And like, it's kind of weird. We don't know too much about her other than like she's in, she's following her heart. Um, but then we get like, we don't see her decide like, I'm going to run with this money. 
Like she's very calm and collective, and she's like, "This is my opportunity. I'm taking it." Yeah. Well, but like the audience doesn't really know what's happening till later when she's like packing true. her bags and stuff. Yeah, like most Hitchcock movies, you learn a lot through the camera work rather than through dialogue. Like he's constantly focusing on that envelope with money, and you're like, "What's yeah?" Anna? And she just <laughs> had this fight with her boyfriend about money. You know? Yeah. Um. So the whole romance aspect, do we like it or hate it? I like it. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. You could say that that's kind of annoying that like the woman's only ambition is to get the money so she can get married. But um, I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. It doesn't bother me either. Well, all right. <laughs> I was just asking. <laughs> so what else in the story do you like? Oh, oh my God. You're yawning. Already? I'm sorry. Hyper pep up. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I love everything about the story. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Um, no, I love that it starts out as a crime story and then becomes like a murder mystery. Um, I love that this movie has not one, but two fantastic twists. Yeah. Um, I love that it's still extremely clever. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, watching it today, it feels still incredibly fresh. And I think... Probably of all the Hitchcock movies, this is the one that feels the least dated, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny given that it's, you know, it's later in his career, but it's black and white and it was kind of cheaply made at the time, consider, like based on some of his pre, like giant Did you know budgets. that the blood was actually chocolate syrup? Uh, yeah, Bo- Bosco <laughs> chocolate syrup, to be exact. Um, a little trivia button. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and yeah, Hitchcock was trying to do something really different. And I believe, too, this wasn't in that podcast, but I believe one of his big inspirations for wanting to make this is that he really wanted to adapt Le Diabolique, and uh, Clouseau got the rights to do that first, and Hitchcock was insanely jealous about it, because that's a very Hitchcockian story, too. Yeah. And it's real similar to Psycho in a lot of ways, actually. Um, so that you know, that was partly what motivated him to do this. And he wanted to make a movie. He wanted to kind of reinvigorate his career a little bit. And this was like a big gamble um, because it's like, it doesn't seem like it now, but this movie was really kind of racy and, um, they showed a toilet at a time. Well, they showed a man (laughs) and a woman in the same bed in their underwear and yeah, bathroom, a shower scene (laughs) with like very, like blurry fake you know faded nudity and uh yeah so uh yeah so this movie was like a big risk for him and that's why it's done it was done kind of cheaply because that's how he got them to agree to fund it well it paid off because it's probably his one of his most famous movies i'd say it is his definitely his most most mainstream by far yeah Um, Although Hitchcock's pretty mainstream now. He's not as cool as he once was. (laughs) Hipster. Yeah. What you call him now? Uh, So when was the first time you saw Psycho? That's a good question. I think it was at a party. Didn't we watch it at a Halloween party? I don't think so. Because I feel like that's the first time I saw it. Or it was like at a special screening. It could have been that. Or it could have been you and me. Or you had the collection. We could have just watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watched it. That's true. So I, I got really big into Hitchcock when I was in, I don't know, my first year of college or, or senior year of high school, maybe. Film nerd. I think it was senior year of high school, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so I then I got a, a big box set of his movies for Christmas and watched a whole a whole bunch of them over that year. So that, I, I might have watched it on my own yeah. out of that at some point. I don't remember exactly. 
I don't either. He's but like, he's always been there. It is funny. Like that shower scene. I, I don't ever remember not knowing about the shower scene. Like yeah. it's so. And the scream. I would say the shower scene is probably what top five most famous movie scenes in history. Easy. Probably. I mean, it's probably up there with like, you know, Luke, I'm your father and, or no, I am your father. You know, some, uh, some of those other big ones, like it's definitely out there. Nobody doesn't hear those, hear that music. Uh, Nobody hears that and doesn't know what it's from. Like it's incredibly famous. <laughs> yeah, it so. is good. Let's dive into some of these performances. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save Anthony Perkins for last. Okie dokie. So, Janet Lee as Marion Crane. I like her. She's a lady who knows what she wants. <laughs> yes, I like her too. She's very like... Um, She's an interesting character because she, yeah, she does something bad, but she feels super guilty about it. And we kind of watch her gradually change her mind about it. And, you know, right Mm -hmm. as she decides to do the right thing and take the money home is when things go bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like her too. I agree. So at least before she dies, she redeemed herself. She put on the white bra again. Yep. Get rid of that black lingerie. (laughs) Yeah. And whose mother is she? Uh, Jamie, uh, Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. So, Marion Crane's sister, Lila Crane, is played by Vera Miles, mm-hmm. and I like her too. Yeah, she's very like. She's um, like, I didn't know what happened to my sister, and I don't care if y'all are living in sin. True. <laughs> Tell me now. <laughs> yeah, and she's in a lot of classic movies, but I haven't seen that many. Oddly, um. But yeah, she's in like The Searchers and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And then obviously we're going to talk about her being in Psycho 2. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like her in this too. I think she's, she's, her and Marion are both like very kind of like independent and willful, I guess. But um, yeah, they're both interesting characters. Um, and then John Gavin plays Sam Loomis, who is the boyfriend. So mm, I can't remember. Is he the one that Hitchcock didn't like? Correct. Or did they replace him? No, I think I thought he was fine. I do too. I don't see why he hated him so much, but apparently Hitchcock didn't think they had a lot of chemistry, especially in the bedroom scene. So I don't know. I thought it was steamy enough for the 60s. Yeah. What was the thing he says in Inside Psycho that she take matters into into your your own hands? hands. (laughs) (laughs) Wink. (laughs) Wink. Um, oh, that's the Hitchcockian uh, <laughs> yeah. way. This bloody bass is trying to touch me up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it is interesting because in this one, uh, his the sister and the boyfriend aren't really like romantic at all. No feelings about each other. But apparently, in was it the second one? Yeah, the second one they had have been married and have a kid yeah i don't get think married. i think they have some <laughs> chemistry though and obviously like you know they check into the hotel as man and wife undercover to try and figure out what's going yeah, on but and... it was very platonic yeah. i didn't see that coming <laughs> yeah so uh and then there's also the sheriff and private detective the sheriff i don't remember that well but the private detective yeah, i like I a lot either. who i think is martin balsam right I think so. Yeah, the private detective's good. I like him because yeah. he's Milton like, I'm going to get to the bottom guest. of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like him a lot. And I love, I think um, one of the best scenes in the movie is when he interrogates Norman. Yeah. About, you know, w- if he's seen uh, 
Marion. Yeah. And the way he he kind of plays it off very like casual and kind of friendly, but he's really like grilling him hard and, mm-hmm. and kind of blame, saying like, you wouldn't like, be hiding here, yeah. here would you? I'm yeah. like, well, now you've contradicted yourself. Yeah, he's like, well, you just said there were <laughs> nobody here, but now you're saying they, yeah. that some guests came in and said, where is the guest board? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes him very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a great scene. Um, So the titular performance <laughs> goes to Anthony Perkins as, spoiler, Norman Bates and... Norman Bates? Norma Bates. <laughs> well, just in that one scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Anthony Perkins is amazing voice. in this, and I love him. Yes. And I don't think I had heard of anything he did before this. Uh, apparently. Nothing big. I don't think he was a lead in anything, maybe. No, I don't think he was. And I think at the time, funnily enough, they were trying, like his agent or whatever, they were kind of trying to make him like, he was. He had put out like an album as a singer. <laughs> like he was trying to make him like that's a teen funny. idol. Isn't that kind of funny? It is. And he didn't like that. He wasn't into that. And that's why he <laughs> took the role. It's probably just because he's so tall and lanky. <laughs> yeah. I think Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates in this movie is the best performance in any Hitchcock movie. Definitely. Period. Like, I mean, you know, there's Jimmy Stewart and, and, uh, Kim Novak and Vertigo are great and blah, blah, blah. But I think his is the most natural, charming, interesting performance of any character in a Hitchcock movie, I think, by yeah. a long shot. And as we'll talk in the other movies, it's interesting to see how much his character changes. It's like, because once you know the twist at the end, yeah. it's like, well, where can they go from this? It's like, they have a lot of places they can go. And it's interesting. It we'll is talk interesting. We'll talk later for about better or for and it gets yeah. a lot darker as the franchise yeah. goes on, too. Yeah, and this movie, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the mm-hmm. next thing. <laughs> um, he, unfortunately, he does not do the Norma voice. I really thought no. he did. No, and apparently there was a friend of Anthony Bergens who did that voice on the phone as like a prank call thing. Yeah. <laughs> and Hitchcock heard that and thought it was hilarious, and that's why he got that guy to do the voice. <laughs> and I think the same guy... I can't remember his name. I had a hard time looking it up. Did the voice for all three of the first ones. Mm. So that's kind of neat. Um, I was also trying to... I don't know how old he is in this either. Uh, I feel like he's young 20s. Let's see. He was born in 32 and this came out. So he so was 28. 28 yeah. yeah. So we're older than Norman Bates by wow. a long shot. Wow. wow <laughs> we wow, would have wow. murdered like seven people by now. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> Um, so let's play how creepy slash likable is Bates. Do we have any good sound stuff for this? Nice. Good idea. Sure. I have no idea. Uh, so, so we decided, yeah, one thing for all these movies is to talk about on a scale from one to 10 with one being extraordinarily creepy and 10 being very charming and likable. Yeah. Where does Norman Bates fall in each movie? So when we first meet him, I'm going to say he's like a nine. Yeah. He's very charming. Yes. He's very charming and shy and like, oh, I can help you. Very customer service oriented and like very likable. Would you like a toasted cheese sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a glass of milk before dinner. It's always yeah. like milk. <laughs> Some milk. He's eating his candy corn. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he's very just like, Totally friendly and not creepy at all. 
Yeah, not at all. I agree. Until like 10 minutes later in the movie when he's he's got his little peephole <laughs> that mm-hmm. he starts watching ladies through the wall take a shower. But even then, it's like, it's definitely creepy. Don't get me wrong. But it's also like, you still almost kind of feel bad for him because he's still like, he's like this guy who's lived with his mother his whole life and been isolated. Yeah, it comes and, off very immature. Yeah, like it he does. Feels like he's a more like boy. a high schooler. Yeah, exactly. Like stuck like peeping on girls. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I went down to a four around that creepy part. <laughs> Honestly, I think there's a creep. I think even more creepier, creepier than the peeping part is right in the conversation with Marion. There's that one part when she's like, well, you should just leave. You should just leave your mother. Oh yeah. It gets like, very dark. I can't leave my mother. Like, Why would you suggest that? Yeah, He gets really angry for a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then after that point, uh, I'm trying to think. I feel like he's fairly charming in this entire movie. Like the peeping is the only thing he does that's like downright evil. The rest, it just, until you know what's happening. Yeah. The rest is just him covering for his mother so that yeah. she doesn't get arrested. That's what Yeah, you I think. think you start seeing him crack when the detective's interrogating him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as you know, he's just covering stuff up for the mother that he loves. Right. So he's not the monster. Uh, but I guess... He's at his creepiest at the end with the uh, reveal and then in the sheriff's office when they're, yes. he's like sitting yes. in a cell by himself, looking creepy, final shot, super creepy smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to talk about uh, that with some of our yeah favorite lines and stuff. So he's definitely the creepiest at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that scene is still unbelievable to me. It's super effective. It's really effective. I remember the first time I feel like I saw that scene for the first time, like on YouTube or on like a VH1 TV, <laughs> you know, or something yeah. where they just referenced it. And I was like, man, they dubbed this over. So it's so scary. Like mm-hmm. what they changed. I was like, wow, this, this can't be from the original. And then when I saw the movie, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this movie came out in 1960. Like this is really scary. Yeah. That final scene is so creepy. It is. Um, so what other, <laughs> What other trivia do we have? Uh, well, I guess we could talk about the score some more. Uh, so Hitchcock was super pleased with the score by Bernard Herrmann that he doubled the salary to a whopping $34,000, which is probably a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> doubled that. So. Yeah. That's almost as much as I make. <laughs> Before my Kemp bucks. <laughs> Kemp bucks. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, Hitchcock said that 33% of the effect of Psycho was due to the music. I agree. I think the music is fantastic. Yeah, the music makes a lot of stuff. And he even originally was going to have the shower scene without music. But then uh, the composer did some anyway, just in case. And he was Mm -hmm. like, no, we're keeping it. Yeah, so. he was Hitchcock was really against music in that scene, and then it ended up being one of the most famous music cues of all time. Yeah, um, another little tidbit about the sound, particularly for that scene, uh, they to figure out the sound of the stabbing, they brought in all kinds of different melons and vegetables and fruits for Hitchcock to stab and try out, and the one he settled on a cassava melon. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't like. think I do either. We should go to the farmer's market. We need to find out, yeah. <laughs> That's what he used for the stabbing sound, cassava. It probably has a harder out, outer shell. Perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. And a yeah. soft inside. <laughs> Fleshy. That's gruesome, though. Like, that had not been something you'd hear or see. Like, you know, yeah. 
You would not, that's, that would not be a, that'd be a very new thing in a mm-hmm. movie for sure, which seems wild now. And then we kind of, I don't know if we mentioned, but most people know that a lot of the cast and crew were sworn to secrecy and that Hitchcock was very scared about the end of getting out that he like bought all the copies to the book. Mm-hmm. He yeah. bought the rights to the movie on the down low. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of trivia about that that I can spit off here. Spit it off. So yeah. So first of all, yeah, he bought the rights kind of secretly like the guy Robert Block didn't know that Hitchcock was buying it or he would have charged a lot more yeah. probably. Um, and uh, yeah. So before the movie came out, yeah, he made the cast and crew swear to secrecy not to tell anything, uh, which is, you know, the early version of like an NDA, I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they he had his assistants go out and buy all the copies of the book in every bookstore in LA so people couldn't read the book when the movie's coming out. Um, the trailer obviously has nobody, not a single shot from the movie in it. Yeah. Um, and then the big thing that's really interesting, and I've heard this and I didn't never made the connection how important this was. So he made all the theaters that they distribute the movie into promise to keep people from entering the theater after it, the movie started, mm-hmm. which at the time was really unusual. People would just come in, pay, and then just go sit in the theater for a couple of hours. Like it didn't matter what was playing or if it was halfway through or whatever, cause you just sit through, you know, yeah. half of a movie and then some cartoons and a newsreel and then half of another well, movie. It's weird. When I worked at the movie theater, people still did that. I'd be like, the movie's been on for like 40 minutes. I'm like, I just want to go in for a That's little very bit. strange. It's like, why? But apparently <laughs> this movie is what kind of started the idea of people actually going Thank to movies. God. Which in turn is kind of, <laughs> you can see that as kind of a turn to people seeing movies as a genuine art form. That like, oh, I actually need to sit through this from the beginning to end, not Who just knew? halfway through or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's not just like pure entertainment. Like imagine coming in in the middle of a Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So, and, and obviously <laughs> besides just the fact that the movie's got twists and stuff, he just, he didn't want anybody coming in the movie thinking that Janet Lee was going to be in the movie. And then they walk in 40 minutes in and be like, where the hell is Janet Lee? Yeah. Um, every time she's not on the screen, people should be asking yeah. where's Janet. Lee? So they had cardboard cutouts of Hitchcock pointing at his watch <laughs> saying like, nobody's allowed in after it starts. Yeah. And, it was like a whole thing where all these people were lined up outside the block to get in the movie, which like never happened up at that point because people would just go in any time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started raining and Hitchcock got Universal to buy umbrellas for everybody <laughs> standing outside the theater because it made a great news story. Yeah. There was all this like crazy stuff about it that was just immensely popular. It was like, you know, one of the first like gigantic movies like that, like a precursor to Jaws and Star Wars. So kind of cool. That is cool. And I'm glad that people arrive on time and sit through a whole movie. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like this is probably kind of the origin of like spoilers too. Like, I don't think that was really a thing before this. Yeah. I wonder how many people were like, well, I read the book, but. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it doesn't even really say like based on the book by. (laughs) I think it does. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know how popular the book was before the movie. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, pretty wild. Um, any other trivia to talk about? Uh, I feel like we could talk about the shower scene during our kill count. So if there's anything else related to it. Uh, Oh, I like the opening titles. Yes. Saul Bass, right? I forgot. Yeah, good call. I almost forgot about that. Good opening title sequence. It's the like interlacing lines that create the text. And and the music playing over Mm -hmm. and stuff. They use that main theme a lot in the first half of the movie. It's a good theme. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why it's so funny. Like, 
for the rest of the franchise, maybe at the end we'll talk about overall stuff for the whole franchise, but it's like the house, Anthony Perkins and the music. Mm-mm. What? The music's only in the first and fourth. Well, the like. And the remake. The shower scene, they reuse that. Well, yeah, they reuse that scene. Yes, that's And true. the clips and stuff that's a true. lot. And the like iconic Norma outfit. Yeah. <laughs> The original Freddy and Jason. Yeah, no, it it is. Yeah, that's one thing to say trivia-wise, I guess, is that this movie is certainly the, in a lot of ways, this and you could say like Black Sunday that I think was around the same time, actually, um, were kind of the movies that really ushered in like the modern era of horror movies. Yeah. And there are so many... I'm oh real loud. Uh, so many of she like the she's major. <gasps> she has her pee pee in her oh, mouth. She brought it in as a sacrifice. Oh. She's like, I'm a psycho. Um, that was so cute. It was cute. Uh, so many of the modern horror masterpieces pay such like sincere. <laughs> why is Harley being so loud? Sincere homage to this movie. Like obviously Halloween. Yeah. Uh, having Jamie Lee Curtis in the title role is yeah. like, her mother was like the original <laughs> screen queen. And, um, what are the other one? What's the other one you just mentioned a minute ago? That was like, we said was like very much the costume in the house, the music. No, no. You, we were talking about other movies that Freddy, were Freddie Jason. Yeah. I mean, all those slashers, I guess I, well, there was something more specific we were talking Sorry. about earlier, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, scream scream yes the opening of scream being a fake out like that's yeah. clearly a, a psycho kind of play and i mean every slasher movie owes its dna to this movie yeah. for sure good job hitchcock <laughs> True. so i guess let's dive into our kill count <laughs> <laughs> and we could talk about the shower screen shower, uh, screen. shower s- scene <laughs> so I had two, only two on-screen deaths, but four off-screen. Is that accurate? All right, let's well, break it down. Okay, first kill, obviously, Marion Crane. Yes, in the shower. Marion Crane shower jump. scene. So, I think everyone's seen the shower scene by now. Yes, it was very complicated. A lot of storyboarding by Saul Bass, they who did the opening weeks credits. To shoot it. And they kept telling him to take out the nudity and he never made the edits and he's like, they're gone. Oh, yeah, and then send read, it back. Did you read that too? I've heard that yeah, a lot. It's such a great story. Yeah. yeah. They, they said that it was like 10 people on like the standards of practices or whatever watching it. And they're, and they're like, five of us are sure we saw nudity and five <laughs> of us are sure we didn't. Yeah. So we'll just send him a note that says, please remove the nudity. They did it like 10 times and he yeah. just kept sending back. The exact same thing. The nudity's gone. Yeah. And I think uh, she used the body double for parts of that. A good chunk of it, yes. And for both her and the body double, they they put mole skin over her uh, private parts and... Like the moleskin. No like, nips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, obviously after every take, it would fall off on the water. Yeah. So they said it would just take weeks and weeks <laughs> uh, to shoot it. It took forever. Um... And he had a special cone made for the sh- to look right at the water. Oh, the, the the faucet. Yeah. It's like, what did he say? It was like six feet wide. It was like Something enormous. Like that. <laughs> so the camera would fit in the center where the water yeah. didn't spray, which is insane. So a lot of time and effort went into the shower scene. I'm very curious in the book if it there's a lot of detail about this bathroom or something. Or yeah. if that was his like... 
I just want to do the scene where like it's crazy and stuff. <laughs> well, and the editing of it too is like a masterclass. It's, yeah, it's like tons of. What, so there's cuts. a whole documentary just about that scene. It was it called seventy eight fifty two? I think. Yeah, it's like seventy eight shots in fifty two seconds or something like that. That is a lot of camera work. <laughs> it is. Yeah, um, it's crazy. All right, so yeah, that is the first kill. <laughs> you really do it every kill. Um, and so the second kill is the who? staircase. The private detective. Yes, it's another famous I kill. I love this one. I mean, I'm yeah. going to go ahead and say. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. So I assume he did that camera trick where, like, you move forward or it's not it's the ver- zooming it's not in a vertigo shot. while you're moving. Oh, I mean that is how they do it. Yes, you're zooming in while moving backwards. But or he's that's like vertigo stationary, shot. and it's like yeah. What's really it's just a together. rear projector shot. Uh, so the guy is just standing on the ground going, ah, <laughs> and behind him is a film of uh going of down like the moving stairs. down backwards on the stairs. Yeah. So it's really kind of surreal looking. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about it is just he's slowly... The suspense in that scene is insane. Yeah, because it's like overhead to... It's a bird's eye view shot. Pun not intended. <gasps> the birds? Norman's obsessed with birds. Uh, <laughs> the detective is walking up the stairs and then very suddenly uh, Mother walks out of the, be- the bedroom and walks very fa- quickly over to the stairs and bam, stabs him yeah. and he falls down the stairs. And, and then, then he's like, Whoa. Yeah, and then she <laughs> runs down the stairs and stabs him a bunch more. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, to me, that, the first, because I knew about the shower scene. Everybody knows about the shower scene. The stair scene, I did not know about. I did not know it was coming the first time I saw it. And it, yeah. was, it genuinely was like, took That's me like a jump surprise. scare. It's great. she's like, bam, I'm here. Yeah, it's terrifying. You're dead. I love it. <laughs> Love so it. the four off screen that it's Norman's mother and stepfather boyfriend, boyfriend yeah. and then two missing girls that they right. kind That's of right. find in the swamp, maybe. Or they just say there's two missing girls that like yeah, you'll find on your how. your missing book or whatever. <laughs> the end. Oh, I think yeah, when she mother has confessed yeah to the crimes yeah, or mother has confessed that Norman committed the crime so yeah it is crazy there's only two people that really die on screen yeah there's a lot more in some of the sequels yeah Yeah. this one is really only two kills which is wild but there's a lot of suspense where you think some people are about to get murdered name it well uh um, well the whole like sam gets hit with a golf club in the head and you think yeah he almost gets and uh lila right that's her name (laughs) Mm -hmm. um she's about to be murdered by mother mother (laughs) um and get saved by Sam at the last second. Oh, yeah. The cellar scene. With the corpse. <laughs> Another jump scare. Apparently, ah. here's a little piece of trivia that was funny. They tried out a bunch of different corpses, looks for the corpse. Yeah. And the way they tested to figure out which one was the best was they kept hiding it around places <laughs> and having poor Marion Crane find it. And which, or maybe it was Vera Miles. I don't remember which. But whichever one got the loudest scream yeah. was the one they used. <laughs> It's pretty funny. That would be awful. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> creepy looking. Um, so kill count two to four. Yeah, <laughs> two six, to six. Six I guess. total if you yeah. count off screen, but only two on screen kills. Uh, so what is your favorite scene? I already said it. It's that staircase scene. Okay, well it's we're amazing. done. <laughs> so for me, I think it's the swamp car scene where he just killed. 
uh, Marion Crane, and he's disposing of her body in, in the trunk of her car, mm-hmm. and all the money's going down with it um, into the swamp. And he's sitting there just chewing on his like candy corn, which I think was improvised. It was his he's, idea. Yeah. yeah to he's be probably just hungry like. the whole time. But yeah, it is very bird like because mm-hmm. he's like eating bird seed basically. And he's eating candy like a child, but it's like bird seed. It's yeah. Candy corn. Um, and then the the car is going into the swamp and then it freezes, it gets stuck yeah. and like the license plate and everything is sticking out and you just see like his face drop and yeah. he's like looking around like what the hell am I going to do? And then it goes down and he starts smirking because yeah. he's like, I got away with it. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that whole scene Old when trusty he's swamp. Up, everything is great because you're like, you're really convinced he didn't do it. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, he's got to cover up for this. And yeah. he really liked this girl. Yeah. Although, yeah, there's no way he could get all that blood out of that very white bathroom. It would have been in the grout. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, no, uh, they didn't have UV lights then, I guess. I know. No DNA to worry about. No nothing. He just like washes it down the <laughs> yeah. bathtub. I'm just going to flush this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my favorite scene. Did you have any backup scenes since we already talked about the staircase? Well, I said I really like the one with the um, uh, with the private detective interrogating Norman, I think is really great. Yeah. That's a great kind of actor's scene. Um, and then, uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, I really like the ending too, obviously. Yeah. The ending with the whole interrogation, we don't really see any of it. It's more them just explaining what happened. And I like that guy too. It's like uh, Norman Bates. Yeah. Never really. (laughs) Sometimes he was all, he was never all Norman, but he was sometimes all mother. (laughs) I really like that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I guess what is your favorite line or should I do mine first? You go ahead and do yours first. Cause I have three favorite lines. You cheater. Or four. Well, the famous one is like a boy's best friend is his mother. A boy's best friend is his mother. <laughs> is that true, Harper? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Meemaw. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> and then also just like how Frankie is in one scene where he's uh, eating milk and sandwiches. And he's like, you eat like a bird. <laughs> to, uh, but you know, they say that uh, birds actually eat, a, eat yeah. quite a lot. <laughs> uh, I love the... I'm not even going to swat that fly. <laughs> I hope they are watching. They'll see. Yeah. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. <laughs> tell me tell me why you love that one of the reasons you love that line so much. Because that stupid VP Pence during the debate, a fly landed on his head and somebody put that over the... <laughs> <laughs> that narration over it and he's just like not even gonna swat it <laughs> it's yeah. so funny um but also we all go a little mad sometimes yeah that's that's arguably the most famous line a bumper sticker movie. that says that yeah we all go a little that's mad my road rage <laughs> so those are mine that's if you make a modern all the modern trailers of this movie or the 90s yeah. versions of modern trailers <laughs> had him saying that and then it going like yeah <laughs> flashing into inverted color <laughs> All right, so, so mine, those are all of mine. <laughs> yeah, those are all good. I'm gonna go with a, a cla- simple but classic one. Mother, oh God, mother, blood, blood. So Norman's reaction when uh, he blood. sees mother covered in blood after the murder. That's a good one. Yeah. Also, I think we read trivia that they uh, took out the bass in his voice for that, so he sounds more 
teenage I think like I, that's what the trivia says i think they pitched it up a little bit it's, it's definitely different he is far away when you hear it yeah. so it's something's different yeah it sounds yeah. yeah it sounds like they pitched good it pick mm-hmm. uh so what do you think well is there any final thoughts on psycho 1960 mm. i mean it's amazing it's one of the best movies ever made i think yeah so i guess we'll lead into what does it do better than the others? Everything, <laughs> I think, is the obvious answer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even just technical skills is way better. You get more interesting, like, camera shots, editing, music. The performances are great. Uh, but it's also with the writing very twisty and suspenseful. Mm-hmm. A lot more suspense because the audience doesn't know what Norman is capable of. Correct. Yeah, you have no, you really have no clue. Even watching it for like the fifth or sixth time or whatever, yeah, you're still, I'm still like, wow, like it really, you really wouldn't know it was Norman. Like it's really, yeah. Clever. We forgot to mention like uh, the iconic house and everything, mm-hmm. but also in the shower scene, I don't think I ever noticed before when he like pulls it back and his face is black, mm-hmm. but the eyes are like glowing. I it's a very weird love it. shot. <laughs> I don't know how they accomplished that. I don't know if the person. I don't know if that's uh, Anthony Perkins or what, but I don't know if whoever is there is playing that role has like blackface on kind of thing. I don't think it's blackface. I think it's like a cloth, like a ski mask. Or it's almost almost. like they did an effect on the film, like they dodged or burned it rather. It's possible because it's like you can't see the features of the face except for the eyes, and it is so haunting. Yeah, (laughs) it's very creepy. They do that in one or two of the other the sequels too. It's very Mm -hmm. cool. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie's incredibly suspenseful and it has yeah. two really <laughs> phenomenal twists, like some of the best. I um, just realized, like, I wrote the exact opposite way that you wrote yours. Yeah, it's true. You're like, incredibly suspenseful and, t- and twists, and I went, twisty and suspenseful. Yeah, that's true, though. <laughs> I didn't mean to copy. That's uh, oh, all right. And also, uh, just that this movie is 60 years old, but it feels like it could have been made yesterday. Like, yeah. It still feels incredibly... Uh, current and scary and effective. Yeah. It does not feel uh, dated even a little, except for maybe like when Norman is like, and this is the, uh, 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 and she's like bathroom. (laughs) Well, the mom uses some uh, probably insensitive words now. Does she? (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember. Well, she calls everybody like sluts and whores. In so. this one, she does in the sequels. I don't know if she does in this one. I think she says she something. Like or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I think she says other stuff. Okay. Maybe so. <laughs> so that uh, Psycho. <laughs> yeah. One of the best uh, horror movies ever made, for yeah. sure. Don't let the black and white scare you away. No. It's everybody everybody needs to see Psycho. It'd be crazy not to have seen it's it. It's kind of crazy. It's not streaming anywhere, but it's worth owning. Just go buy it. 100%. Yeah. Agreed. Although I don't know how many people would be listening to this if they haven't seen Ain't that the, the Psychos. Truth, but I'm going to be willing to bet <laughs> lots of people listeners have not seen many or most Psycho of the two, sequels. Psycho 2, 3, 4, 5. <laughs> I hadn't until yeah. relatively recently. All right. So now we're going to move on to Psycho 2. It's 22 years later. And Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here. And you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead.
I'm telling you, there was a note on that wheel from my dead mother. Norman, it couldn't be your mother. It had to be someone else. But trust her. She would never do anything to hurt me. She'll kill you. I know she will. No, I. I won't do that. You can't make me kill her. Twenty-two years later, Norman Bates is home. Psycho two. It's starting again. Psycho 2, which came out in... The Psychoning. 1983, which is 23 years later. Wow. After the first one, actually, the tagline, it's 22 years later and Norman Bates is finally going home. Yeah, that's weird. I wonder why it's different. Uh, Probably took a while to get released, I guess. Uh, So... Uh, directed by Richard Franklin, who did like road games and Patrick, which we have talked about both before. of those. Yeah. And, and he was considered him and Brian De Palma were considered like the Hitchcock, um, proteges at the time. And Richard Franklin actually even like assisted Hitchcock on, I think maybe Topaz, like one of his final movies, yeah. he met him and worked with him. So Psycho 2 um, takes place 22 years later. So after years of treatment at a mental institution for the criminally insane, 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 (laughs) serial killer Norman Bates is finally released. Deciding to move back into his long dead mother's infamous old house, he soon finds himself tormented by her demands and begins to question his own sanity. Mm -hmm. So... Written by Tom Holland. Not that Tom Holland. Yeah, who did Child's Play and Fright Night. Mm -hmm. Solid writer. Yeah. And starring Anthony Perkins, again, as Norman Bates. Uh, Vera Miles shows up as the crazy, how could you let him out? (laughs) Uh, Meg Tilly, who's Jennifer Tilly's sister, Mm -hmm. as... uh, Mary. Mary. Then we got Robert Logia, Logia. Logia as his therapist slash caseworker. Who we know from like, isn't he in Thief? And I think so. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Franz, Hugh Gillen, Claudia Breyer, Robert Allen. Oh, I probably messed that up somewhere. Yeah. There's one too many names. <laughs> well, that's okay. Anyway. I, I have no idea who any of those people after uh, Dennis Franz are. <laughs> they're probably like random people who die in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Or the diner people, probably, probably more likely. Um, So, yeah. Psycho 2. Let's get into the meat. (laughs) So, uh, Psycho 2 is an interesting one. Yeah. So, I think, for one, every time we watch it, I'm like, uh, when the credits roll, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, the talent behind this movie is kind of amazing. Yeah. Like, Tom Holland wrote it. Richard Franklin directed it. Those are both two guys at the top of their game doing really cool horror stuff. Um Dean Cundy is the cinematographer who did, uh, what, what year did this come out? 1983. So this is one year after he did the thing. 
um, and and not long before he did um, Back to the Future and Jurassic Park. I mean, Dean Kennedy's one of the all-time greatest cinematographers. Um, and score by uh, somebody interesting. I'm blanking. Jerry Goldsmith. Yes, Jerry Goldsmith, who did like Alien and Planet of the Apes and stuff. Um, and th- apparently they had the chance, they were offered to be able to use the original score um, from Psycho and they turned it down because they wanted to try and do their own thing, which I think is cool. And I actually do like the music in this. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently it was actually based on a book by Robert Block. It is not. That's the trivia. That's the interesting Uh-oh. thing. There is a Psycho 2 book and it has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> like they're very different. The book, um, did I write it down? I don't know if you wrote what yes. it was. It says the oh, plot yeah. of the book, uh, it has Norman Bates escaping from a mental institution and traveling to Hollywood to start the production of a film based on his life. <laughs> Universal Studios was reportedly upset by Block's take on the horror film industry and this led to the <laughs> development of this film instead, which sounds great. I kind of want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, Psycho 2 is a lot better than you would think it's going to be. 100%. I think Psycho 2 is a pretty damn good movie. interesting themes. It's a solid explore. movie. I really enjoy this one and it really makes me sad that it's not, it, I don't feel like this gets talked about like psycho as a franchise never gets included when you're talking yeah. about like famous horror franchises ever. And like, there are some not so great ones in here. We'll talk about for sure. But I think psycho two in particular is really good. It feels a lot more progressive too, because it's like Norman Bates has done his time. Like he got help. He got therapy. He understands what he did was wrong. And now he's just trying to resume normal life. Right. But the town isn't so happy about that. Well, the town is. Well, some of them anyways. The people at the diner to give him a job are very much like, oh, you know, forgive and forget. Are you anti? Because it was 20 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) But obviously, and major spoiler forthcoming, um, So Meg Tilly's character, it turns out, is the daughter of Lila Crane and Sam Loomis. Um, and sh- her mother, Lila, is basically mother. trying to use Mary, Meg Tilly, use her to drive uh, um, Norman to kill again so that he'll get yeah. put away again because she's so upset that he got released from prison, um, which is uh, doesn't seem that... Un, like, well, it wasn't even prison. He just went to a the psych ward or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he wasn't even charged with murder. Like, yeah. In this universe. <laughs> and this movie gets very twisty and complicated. And my, that's partially, I think that's one of the reasons it's fun. It's also maybe one of the downsides of it a little bit is that yeah. it gets very complicated by the end mm-hmm. because you're like, all right, who is committing these murders? <laughs> because yeah, it's like, okay, is Norman doing it and he's just pretending to be normal again? Or is somebody else doing it? Is Lila Crane doing it to try and frame Norman? Is somebody else altogether doing it as a kind of a coincidence? Yeah, there's like one too many, like who's actually doing this moment? It's kind of clever though. But I do love because like, we all know that he killed those people, but now it's like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be acting like he did before. So like he does think it does look like he's rehabilitated himself, but now we just feel bad for him because someone's driving him to go crazy. (laughs) So let's talk about performances and the creepy scale for Bates while we're talking about that. (laughs) Um, So we've got Anthony Perkins again, obviously. Yeah. He's great. Again, (laughs) even 22 years later, he's still uh, pretty, 
Well, he's just trying to like start over, basically. Yeah, and he's very like friendly and he's very reserved. And I love there's a lot of great moments where he says, I'm trying to remember the line, but he says something. He's like, uh, oh, I haven't had a chance to clean the c- c- cutlery. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's like very nervous about it. And he like looks he at the He doesn't want to take yeah, he never wants to pick up a knife because he's like, this could like trigger me or something. Yeah. Um, um but he's also really great at like I feel like there are moments where he is playing pranks on people, like with uh, especially Meg Tilly's character. Mm-hmm. Where he's like talking on the phone with his dead mother. Uh, but then it's like, oh, wait, is it a prank? <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, it becomes very hard to tell whether he's, he's in on it or, with not, her, yeah. or he really is going crazy. Yeah. Because at some point he figures out who she is well, and stuff. And at some point, too, he really does go <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. So it's it's hard to decipher. Yes. Um, we've got Meg Tilly. Yeah. Who I think is really cool in this movie. I like the Tillies. I do too. They look a lot alike. <laughs> She's not in a lot of other stuff, I don't think. Um, I'll check. I uh, don't know if I had seen her really in anything else. Uh, apparently, she had a horrible time making this movie because she thought Anthony Perkins and Richard Franklin were both really rude to her. Hmm. But also, she was kind of weird. Apparently, Anthony Perkins hated her because he overheard her saying, she was like, I never saw even saw Psycho. Like, who, who, why is everybody fawning over this Tony Perkins mm. guy? And he got he was really mad about it. And so they hated each other, which I, I wouldn't know just watching the movie. They have good chemistry. Yeah. And so the first, uh, the probably bigger movie, The Big Chill. That oh, right. I've seen that. It came out the same exact year. Wow. That's, that's kind of wild. Cool. She's also in the remake, the 90s remake of The Body Snatchers. Oh, really? I really want to watch that. And that's the only three that I see. There's also like Fame, which was before this, but I don't know if she had a big role or not. Yeah. So those are the main ones. Um, Vera Miles obviously is in it. Uh, and she's she's cool. She's very much like the like nagging, like manipulative. She's kind of crazy. Yeah, she is. She's <laughs> like running around town screaming at people all yeah. the time. Um, and I like Robert Loggia as his like psychologist too. He's very down to earth uh-huh. and like... Just call me. Really I'm like, here for you. I'm only a phone call away, Norman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on a scale from one to ten, <laughs> one being uh <laughs> I was gonna say something that would spoil one of the later movies. Uh <laughs> one being very, very creepy, and ten being uh uh like the most charming gentleman, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for this one, I don't think he's necessarily charming. He has his moments where it's like, he's just very eager to like make friends, get a real job mm. and like get back to normal. But I also, I feel sad for him most of this movie. Yeah. It's agreed. just like, oh, he's having such a tough time. But then it's like, he murdered people. <laughs> it's like, but, but it makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't, he's not like off the charts creepy. It's just more like, I feel bad that he's creepy. <laughs> no, I think he's pretty likable in this. And particularly in the beginning when he's like, you he's know. He's like, oh, I have a free room. You can stay here. Yeah. Like, he's like eager to be friends. To stay, and he kicks out Dennis Franz because he's like running the hotel like a brothel. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, we didn't write down Dennis Franz. Boy, Dennis Franz in every <laughs> 80s movie plays the sleaziest dude. Yeah. Always. I'm trying to think of some other ones. I mean, he's in, is it Chud or? I can't remember. <laughs> There's so many 80s. Oh, no, it's, um. oh my God, I'm blanking. Our favorite Brian he De Palma is movie, Blowout. In Blowout. Blowout, Scarface, Die Hard 2. Yeah, Scarface The too. Player, Dressed to Kill, Body Double. <laughs> 
He's in Body every double two. The Fury. He's in every Brian De Palma yeah, movie. Just, he is always such a sleaze bag. That's like his <laughs> yeah. thing. He's always chewing gum and he's always like, hey, you psycho, what are you <laughs> doing? Um, but yeah, I like him in this too. It's a good role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, creepy and likable. He's uh, <laughs> somewhere in the middle, I guess. Um, one interesting thing, I guess this is uh, performance related a little bit. Yeah. Or actor related. So there's a scene when Norman has kind of a flashback to when he was a child and you see a reflection of young Norman in the doorknob. Uh, thank you, Dean Cundy, for that excellent <laughs> shot. Uh, the young the Norman doorknob. Bates played by Oz Perkins. Oz Anthony Perkins. Perkins' son, who's now a horror movie director. Um, Slash yeah. legally blonde actor. Yes, correct. <laughs> and in Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting that. Um, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other trivia to bring up. Nope. Continue. <laughs> uh, let's talk kill count. So the number is seven, which is one more than the first one. But those these are all on screen, though, right? Yes. I can't remember half of them. So. Let's see if I can look it up really quickly. So I think a lot of, a lot of it happens when Norman Bates... Not American Psycho 2. Sorry. What? Oh, yeah, that kept happening to yeah. me, too. Like, who cares about American Psycho 2? Yeah. Uh, I think the first person to die is uh, Toomey. Yeah. The, guy who, the Dennis Franz character. Me. Uh, then there's uh let's see da 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 random motel guest yeah well female figure of his two teenagers uh oh yeah they sneak into his cellar and start like making out but the girl gets away girl gets away but the guy dies we don't um, know how or why I think he gets like stuck in the glass mm-hmm. window uh sorry I'm scrolling through here. Um, murders lila crane in the cellar and then puts her under the coal that's a lot later though i know but that's the next do they all comment like once at the end uh well yeah mary spoiler uh, uh mary gets uh oh mary kills the doctor by accident because she thinks she's being chased by Norman, remember? Yeah. So the doctor dies, gets stabbed. Um, Norman uh, finds the body and then is shot by the police because they think she's the killer. Because she that, that that's a really clever bit, by the way. She's in the mother's clothing because she's trying to convince Norman, like mm-hmm. mother is not the one on the phone, and then she. You know, she's about to be attacked by Norman and the police shop and they see her in the mother's clothing with a knife and so they shoot her. Yeah, and they know that he's been being tormented so they're like, well, she's the crazy one. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, Emma Spool who shows up at <laughs> well, the very Well, before that, scene. we also see or the mom gets poisoned in the flashback. True, yeah. I, I think those are the extra ones. Okay, yeah, there you go. How would you poison your mother? But yeah, let's talk about that. The very ending kill, because that's a good one. So spoiler. Very special. Norman might have another mother. (laughs) It's unclear whether it's true or not. He definitely has an aunt. So 
let's just say the aunt dies. <laughs> um, spoiler all over the place. So, yeah, the woman who works at the diner who convinced them to hire Norman, who's barely been in the movie up to this point. Yeah, she kind of just shows up and disappears. She shows up and it becomes clear. Well, first of all, she starts confessing to Norman that she's his real mother. Yeah. And that she had to give, she had some mental <laughs> troubles, quote, quote, uh, or something like that, um, and had to give the baby Norman to her sister, yeah. Norma Bates. Um, and uh, then it becomes clear that she is the one who has been killing all these people. And talking to them on the phone. Right. To like protect Norman. I mean, she's clearly off her gourd, yeah. <laughs> off her cassava melon too. Um, so, and then while, so while she's explaining this, Norman is making her a toasted cheese sandwich. <laughs> Uh, which he talks about these sandwiches a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> earlier he tells Mary that she smells like a toasted cheese Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> because he says, like, it reminds him of It's like mother. the only good memory he yeah. has. <laughs> which is really weird. I'm going to tell you, you smell like a toasted cheese sandwich. <laughs> um, he's making a sandwich, and then he's like, uh, are you sure you won't have a sandwich? And we see in the background, he's picking up a shovel, <gasps> and bam! <laughs> the first time in the whole movie... That Norman. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that's the only person Norman kills in the whole movie. Yeah, at that point, it solidifies like, oh, he's lost his mind again. (laughs) Between her, his crazy, crazy potential real mother driving him crazy and killing people all around him, and Lila Crane and her daughter trying to drive him insane. At some point, that made him actually snap and go crazy again. And so... He hits her with the shovel and then carries her up this carries her corpse up the stairs and and starts talking in the mother voice. Yes, because he needs a new mother. Yes, so now yeah, there's a new mother in town. <laughs> That's what the three should have been called. But yeah, that whole scene, I feel like Psycho, uh, American Psycho, ripped it off because it totally. has like it's even kind of framed the same. Like he's from behind. Hey, he's like yeah. yeah talking to her, doing normal things, and then just out of nowhere, it's like a very wide shot. You mm-hmm. see all of it, and then she That's slumps over. That's a very good call. I didn't so he totally that. stole that from yeah. Psycho 2. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that was also your favorite scene. It is. Yeah, cause, well, because it's so shocking. If you've never seen the movie before, that ending is very much like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, you finally start to understand, because the whole time you're like, who the hell is doing these killings? Is well, it yeah, Norman or he's not? like... The police have gone. He's uh-huh. in the clear. He's going about his normal business. And they're like, a knock on the door. Who well, is it? <laughs> and it's brilliant because the moment you find you finally find out, oh, Norman is innocent. He yeah. didn't kill those people. For sure he didn't yeah. because this woman did. And then he kills her. Yeah. Brutally and cal- very calmly. Very, very calmly. Uh, so it's really kind of uh, shocking. So that's when the creep factor. Yeah, shoots the off the wand. roof yeah. for sure. <laughs> Um, so my favorite scene, I like the scene near the end. He's on the phone with his mother a few times throughout the movie, but there's one in the near the end, right before Meg Tilly's character like dresses up mm-hmm. as him. Uh, he's on the phone with mother and you can't tell if he's joking or not. He's like, oh, okay, mother. Sure, mother. And he, like, she like runs upstairs to like get the other phone to see if he's actually talking to anyone. And he keeps like disappearing uh-huh. behind the like pillar so she can't see where he is. Well, and he's and like, I think he disappears at well, some and point. on the phone too. He's like, oh no, mother, I couldn't do that yeah. to her. I love, I like no, her. she's my friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's my friend. So it's super creepy. You can't yeah. tell if he's joking. And that's when like, she's like, 
uh, I think he really lost his mind. <laughs> well, and even knowing what's going on, it's hard to even tell whether he's joking or whether yeah. he's on the phone with Emma Spool yeah. or Lila or Crane. Is he hearing or it? Yeah. <laughs> is he just crazy? Yeah. It's yeah, it's very complicated. Um, so favorite line. You go first. Uh so this was between a conversation between Mary and Norma Bates. So Mary, you be Mary. Okay. Uh, who did it? <laughs> My mother did. She told me so herself. Oh, Norman, you're mad. Don't you know that? You're mad as a hatter. <laughs> there weren't that many great lines, but I'm gonna I like all the mad lines. Sure. <laughs> Um, so my favorite line. Mother, oh God, mother, blood, blood. It's a good line. I mean, yeah. it is. So nice, let's use it twice. That's a really good one. It's classic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so what do you think this movie does better than the others? I think this one plays really well. I think this is the best of the sequels, first of all. Yeah. And I think it plays really well into the twistiness of the original. So it pays homage to the original a lot of ways while not just being like, let's just do it over again. Like it's a really yeah. complicated character study and um, like twisty. It's the kind of, I feel like Hitchcock could have made a movie like this. Um, he's made a lot of movies where there's these really complicated moral mysteries mm-hmm. um, where people are trying to drive people crazy and stuff. So this feels like the most Hitchcocky of the sequels for sure. Is and this it's got the a most great team. Cycle. Movie? <laughs> the most cycle of all the cycle. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, yeah, I like this one quite a bit. I think for me, this is the best dive into like Norman's backstory, his like character arc and range of levels of sanity. Sure. Because you you get the best like dive into him kind of losing it and then you get to see him kind of I guess react we never I guess until we get to the fourth movie up until this point we don't know why he went crazy mm-hmm. in the first one or like what their relationship with the mother was like and then for the so you kind of get that is like it's starting over again right so you kind of get like a prequel aspect but it's not a prequel so well, let's just say it's more interesting here than when you actually find out exactly yeah. what happened <laughs> so way. yeah and best uh, Norman Bates backstory for sure. Yeah. This is a solid horror movie. Like this is one I could see watching. Yeah. Several more times, you know, like it's really good. It'd it be shouldn't be this good. Right. But it, it is. Should. This one is surprisingly <laughs> solid and it makes me a little sad that I don't hear people talking about it in the same conversations with like a lot of the other slashers. Like it's really good. Yeah. But a lot of that I think is all Anthony Perkins. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it's a really good team between Anthony Perkins returning and having Richard Franklin and yeah. Dean Cundy and Jerry Goldsmith. Like, there's a lot of heavyweight talent behind this. Yeah. So we definitely recommend Psycho 2. Or, I mean, Psycho 2. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to Psycho 3. <laughs> guy just wants to be left alone in peace. Aren't you going to take him in for questioning or anything? Just leave him alone. Norman Bates is back to normal. But Mother's off her rocker. 
again. Norman, is that you? Yes, Mother. It's me. Bates Motel. Aside from total boredom, nothing's gonna happen to you here. I can't have that sort of thing going on in my motel. Here's the place of bad name. Why are you so kind to me? You remind me of someone. Mother! I figured Bates was a geek, but a full-fledged Looney Tune? Norman! I'll get you for this, Mother. You haven't got the guts, boy! Perfectly natural for a son to love his mother. All right, so Cycle Three <laughs> came out in 1986, directed by. Wait, where is it? Oh, man. Anthony Perkins. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm using the heck out of the soundboard. You really are. <laughs> All right, so Psycho Three. <laughs> Psycho 3. <laughs> uh, tagline, Norman Bates is back to normal, but mother's off her rocker again. Oh, boy. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, Norman Bates falls in love with a fallen nun who stays at the Bates Motel alongside a drifter and a curious reporter. Meanwhile, mother is still watching. So I can't remember if this is Anthony Perkins' first. It is. And only? I don't know if it's his only, but it's his directorial debut, yes. Uh, you didn't say who wrote the movie, though. I haven't gotten that far. Okay. <laughs> Written by Charles Edward Pogue, who did The Fly. Yeah, how cool is that? I'm not even going to swat that fly. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Very nice. Good callback. <laughs> So this movie stars Anthony Perkins, Diana Scarwood, Jeff Fahey, oh, our yeah. man from Body, Body Parts, Parts. <laughs> Roberta Maxwell, Hugh Gillen, and Lee Garlington. That's right. Uh, so. <laughs> Cycle. Three. <laughs> Your thoughts. Uh, Although this is the only time, the first time we, second time we saw it? Second first. time we've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one's interesting. This is probably the most like off the rails one. <laughs> it, there's a lot going on. It's kind of crazy. So uh, Norman is back to running the motel. It takes place like right after Psycho 2. Mm -hmm. uh, but he meets new people. Uh, Actually, it starts with the yeah, ending it starts of Psycho 2. That's Well, no, it starts with... There is no God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all in a black screen, which the first time yeah. I watched it, I was like, all right, you've got my attention. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it starts with the scene that feels straight out of Vertigo. It's clearly yeah, a reference definitely. to Vertigo, where this nun is basically she's like, uh, well, she says there's no God, <laughs> and I think she's trying to kill herself, trying to jump off a bell tower. That looks a lot like Vertigo. Yes, and then the other nuns are trying to stop her. They ring the bell, and then the bell knocks one of them off. And isn't that what happens? Yeah, and then she feels super guilty and runs away as fast as she can. Right, so before one of them she's dies, prosecuted. And yeah, she runs away. <laughs> this uh, Maureen runs away. But and we then, don't. I don't think we find out till later. She just like lost her faith or something. Yeah, and wanted to die because of something it. Something like that. I don't yeah. remember. Um, and then she hitchhikes with Jeff Fahey, Woo! who's 
A little handsy, but pretty charming, right? Yeah, we'll have to rate him, too, I guess. Yeah. Because <laughs> he has a scale. Definitely. <laughs> a creep factor he goes, scale. It's up, ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and it's interesting because he starts to kind of fall in love with Maureen. Uh, Norman starts to fall in love with Maureen because he keeps seeing her as Marion Crane. Mm-hmm. Like, And they're keeping similar coincidences, like, you know, she stays in room one and takes a shower and dresses similarly or whatever. And yeah. I don't see the resemblance that much. Apparently. I mean, she has short blonde hair. That's, That's really the only it. thing. Yeah. <laughs> they act like she looks just like her, like a Virgo she thing, but not. it's not. Um, and he hires Jeff Fahey Duke, uh, to take care of the motel. Um, and there's also a snooping reporter going around. That's, uh, interested in Norman's case and interviewing people. Um, this description's so weird. What will these new friends do for Norman? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's talk about performances. So we get Anthony Perkins. Mr. Perkins. Again. Oop, hiccups. He back again. Back again. <laughs> Anthony Perkins. So this time we know he's crazy. Yes. And we see him killing people. So Did we see him kill people as. It's himself? always mother. Okay, so it's still only mother. Um, but it doesn't feel as original. It's both, it's repeating. Well, yeah, so. and this time there's no twist. Like you pretty much know it's normal. Yeah, you the know he's time. doing it, and because he killed mother doing, and saved her corpse, and yeah. <laughs> mother's talking to him again, and yeah. Um, and we know we know the deal with mother at this point. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I still like him, though. He's still a good character. Oh, yeah, he is. And interesting. And I guess this is supposed to be more of, like, he's going to find love and, like, redo what he did in Psycho. The Like, not peep on her and not kill her. And, like, he really falls for her. Yeah, and it's... um, Also, Mother would approve because she was a nun, so... That's true. (laughs) Mother. Mother. Um, Also, I think this one is kind of... um, I almost want to say comedic a little bit in the sense that like, even though we know Norman's killing people, we're kind of rooting for him. Like, it's kind of funny when like the bodies are like, I've almost discovered and then they're not, Yeah, you know, like it's, it's very, this movie in a lot of ways is the most slasher of all, Mm -hmm. all of them for by far, I think. Yeah. Like it's the most straight, like we know who's doing it. Uh, It's almost like you're just like waiting for, like the good kills or whatever, more than like you're trying to figure out who the killer is kind of thing, which yeah. the previous two are all more like mystery. This one is not a mystery. Um, sorry, but we were talking about performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maureen. I am not crazy about her. Who is played by Diana Scarwood. I agree. I think she's kind of um, dull. I feel like when we were rewatching this, I was just like, I don't really care for her story and I don't get enough to remember it. Yeah. So I like, agree. I don't know why she lost her faith. And then she's all over the place. She's constantly going from like, I'm staying at the hotel. I'm going to go see the priest. I'm going back to the hotel. Yeah. I'm in the hospital. I'm going back to the hotel. It's like, I agree. make up your mind. It, it is all over the place. Um, unlike like Meg Tilly's character is super interesting because she's like, it's almost like a rom-com. Like she starts out like her goal is to drive him crazy. Yeah. And basically uh, get him to try and kill her so that they can get him put back in the institution. But then she ends up kind of not necessarily falling in love with him, but like feeling bad for him. Yeah. Like she really likes him. 
Um, Maureen is just like, I, I, I don't even know, really. She's supposed to be like a love interest. They even go on a date, but yeah. it's just very... I don't know. There's no chemistry, They're both just I like guess. these flawed characters. But yeah, she's not very interesting. I no. agree. Now, Duke, on the other hand... Duke is all over the place in a good way. Yeah. He's very entertaining. <laughs> you know, like, he's just like a dude out there doing his thing. Yeah. Easy rider. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so we talked about creepy and stuff with him. So, like, in the car, he when he picks up Maureen, she gets out of the car eventually because he, like, tries to, like... Sneak a peek up her skirt while she's sleeping, I think. Yeah. And then... Uh, Cheeky bastards. She, <laughs> she runs away. and But then later, he's like really apologetic about it or whatever. Yeah, he's like, I'm just, I was tired. Like he... It does seem genuine. Yeah, it does. Like you're kind of like, okay, maybe he's not like yeah. the creepiest. He's that still was, a creep, That was not a cool but move. Yeah. But yeah, maybe it was just a lapse of judgment or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then, then he's like... The, <laughs> We're going to talk about my favorite scene in a little bit where he's just like, I don't even know what they're having fun. But then as soon as he's done work tomorrow, what are you still doing here? Like literally throws her out naked onto the like the sidewalk yeah. at the motel. And yeah, it's like, oh, true. he is not the best. Yeah. But then like he's super friendly to Norman and stuff. And like, what you doing? Norman? What's going well, on? Until he tries <laughs> like, to blackmail him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he does a good job. And yeah, he's very nice to Norman. But yeah, yeah his creep factor. It. You don't think he's going to be a total creep, and then uh, he gets super creepy. Yeah. So it's kind of like a I, Norman opposite. <laughs> I think he's kind of a fun character, though. I really like yeah. his character. There's also the reporter who I feel like is just tacked on a bit. I agree. I feel I like I don't understand the point. I almost feel like she's there just to remind people of what happened in the previous movie. It movies. kind of seems like that. She keeps claiming, like, well, she's trying to figure out what happened to Emma Spool from right. the last movie. And figure out like if Norman rehabilitated himself or not after his therapy and everything. Right. But it's, it is a lot going on. It's just too many storylines yeah. to really like, and do we really care about it? Cause we yeah. already know he's killing people and he's not rehabilitated. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of, that part is you could totally take it out of the movie and I don't know that it would change much. Yeah. Um, well, so we talked about how creepy Duke is. What about Norman? <laughs> What's his creep level? I mean, he's not as likable because it's actively murdering actively, people. Yeah, murdering people. And we know it's him and there is no question about it. So I feel like his likability is lower. Yeah, uh, I agree. He tries to have redemption at the end of the movie. But it doesn't really mean I like him for it. <laughs> yeah. And even his redemption is kind of undercut in the very, yeah. very last scene. So it's like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. But he's not the most likable and not the most creepy no. of all these yet. Duke comes off a little creepier, though. Which yeah. In a lot of by ways. By the end. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> Um, I had some interesting trivia about this one. Yes. So Anthony Perkins' main inspiration for the style of this movie came from Blood Simple, the Coen we Brothers' like first that movie. One. Yeah, and I actually I, I could kind of see that thinking back about it. Um, before production began, he took the entire cast and crew to a screening of the movie. And what what year did this movie come out? Eighty six. Okay, so this is just two years after Blood Simple. So okay, that's cool. but when did like Blue Velvet come out? 
because that uh, Duke 80s. scene is screaming I feel like that was like Twin the same Peaks. year, like 86. Blue Velvet's 86, so he wouldn't have seen that Probably necessarily not. to put oh, it Twin in Peaks the movie. Twin Peaks definitely would not. That was like 88. Yeah, that's 89. crazy. Yeah. I'm getting very David Lynch vibes for that one scene. I agree. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Um, I thought this was kind of an interesting coincidence and kind of interesting for horror movie folks, I guess. So there's the scene when they repeat the scene of uh, Marion Crane getting in the shower and stuff, but it's, you know, now it's the 80s, so it's a little bit more lewd. <laughs> um, but so Diana Scarwood's bare bottom nude scene is the way they describe it on IMDb, uh, was performed by screen queen Brink Stevens, who's been in lots of movies we've seen, <laughs> like Body Double and Slumber Party Massacre and Soul Survivor. Uh, and the other girl, one of the ones we're going to talk about who gets killed, uh, who plays Red, Juliet Cummins, she was also in Slumber Party Massacre 2 and Friday the 13th Part 5. So there's lots of like slasher connections yeah. in this one. Like this one, I feel like is more in the horror movie community than the others for sure, which is, I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if we really need a bottom in that shower scene. A bottom. <laughs> a bottom. <Yeah. laughs> It's like saying bottom. Yeah. Her fanny. Her derriere. <laughs> Rump. <laughs> rump. I kind of always forget about that one. That's a good one. Butox. Yeah, Butox. I like rump. So in this movie and in the remake, I feel like they make unnecessary shower scene additions. Yeah, we're going to talk about that for so, sure. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely going to talk about that. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. Uh, I don't think I had any other trivia for this one. All right. So should we do our kill count? Yes, we should. So <laughs> in right. three, <laughs> the cycle kills six people. <laughs> uh, so first, go ahead. You do the first The one. nun. Dies. Sister oh. Margaret. Sister Margaret dies in the church balcony not, accident. Not a kill by the cycle, <laughs> but a kill from Maureen by yeah. accident. Um, from uh, hey, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, lady killers. <laughs> uh, the second kill is uh, that uh, what I just said her name was. Julia Red. Evans, I think. Yeah, Red I is the character. wrote it right there. Uh, I was trying to think of the actress. Oh. Uh, she is the one who Duke throws out of his room in the nude. And she dies in a phone booth Correct. by Norman. And it's bloody and tiny. It's very... Very compact. It's very slasher. <laughs> yeah. A lot and of these are very slashery. For her, we don't really see... I think we find out she's in the swamp, but the next morning, Duke's like, cleaning the phone booth this early? He's like, you know. Well, and there's the whole thing. Where <laughs> I'm Anthony Perkins. Let me eat some candy corn. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, he starts to figure, see something's wrong because he gave the girl like a torn $5 bill for cab fare. Yeah, they really focus on this $5 bill. There's like a scene where Duke gets there and we're like, oh, he's going to rob the cash register. But then he's very like, plays it off. He's like, you should really shut that. Someone could steal stuff. Yeah. Which adds to his charm and mm -hmm. likability. Um, but there's a torn $5 in there. And then I think he gets it at some point, like paid for the week with yeah. it. And he gives it to Red for cab money. And then it ends up the next morning back in the cash so register. Like, I know I gave that five. So that's like that. his evidence he brings to the reporter who's like, I can't do SHIT with that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I forgot like 
I know we're in the middle of the kill count, but I forgot how Duke can kind of sense pretty early that Norman is off. Yeah. And like he makes a lot of comments, but like when he's looking at the nun, he's like, Oh, is that your type, Norman? And like, cause he's like obviously oh, yeah. upset when he sees her and then uh-huh. like keeps talking about stuff. So maybe a creep knows a creep. <laughs> when yeah, he that's sees a good one. call. Yeah, that's true. Cause yeah, he's definitely on the reporter side pretty fast. Yeah. All right, back to the kill count. <laughs> so in Psycho, Psycho. <laughs> 3, we get uh, the third kill. Toilet girl. Patsy. Who I am so mad she dies yeah. because she is a good person. <laughs> what does she do right before that that we're like, oh, she's so good. So Norman and Maureen get back from their date. Uh-huh. And I guess they fall. She Maureen falls asleep and she wakes up and she's alone. Oh, right. And there's like frat boys. It's a huge drunk party. Yeah. It's like a homecoming or whatever. And so toilet girl, <laughs> Patsy, comes in and she's like, hey, you should be careful. There's a lot of drunk people. You should lock your door. I just want to make sure you're OK. Yeah. And then she like goes like off. looking out for ladies. Yeah. And so she makes sure she's okay. And then she really has to pee, which is my life. Mm -hmm. So she's like, I'm just going to go use this toilet in the office. And then she's like, she's peeing. And then someone bombards her and she's like, hey, sister, like, do you mind? Yeah. (laughs) And so, and then she gets stabbed to death on the toilet. By mother. (sighs) That's a very sad scene. She did not deserve to die. Oh, man. And then she gets put in the ice chest outside the motel. Cooler girl, like so she's toilet girl and cooler girl. Funniest <laughs> slash like most suspenseful scenes, and like the sheriff yeah. is like he's well, getting. That's gonna a- be my scene. Oh, okay, I won't yeah. steal it. <laughs> All right, but stay uh, tuned for ice cooler toilet girl death. Yeah. <laughs> then next, good old Duke, Mister Jeff Fahey, he gets kind of two death scenes. He does a fake out. So this one is that, so, and this is interesting. The last two kills are the only ones, and I think maybe the whole no that's not true they're the first ones in the franchise that are killed by norman and not mother or someone else um because it's norman he confronts duke and duke basically says he's gonna blackmail him he he steals mother's body and brings it to his hotel room right which freaks norman out because he thinks his mother is walking around right (laughs) um and he's like hey i know you're still off your rocker and killing people and I've got the proof, and if you don't pay me, whatever. Yeah. Um, because he wants to be like a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> um, somehow money's going to do that. Uh, and so then uh, they get in like a tussle or whatever, and Norman kills him with his guitar. Yeah. Bang! Very hateful eight style. Yeah. Um, but then he's taken the body, he puts the body in plastic, and then puts it in the backseat of a car, and is going to go dump the car in the swamp. Mm-hmm. His MO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then while they're driving there, uh, he Duke is still alive and yeah. like reaches over the seat and starts to strangle Norman and Norman's like ah and he hits the gas <laughs> and they drive the car into the swamp and they like fight in the car and then Norman makes it out and presumably yeah. Duke drowns I did forget about that that they do like do a whole underwater car scene mm-hmm. that he has to escape yeah it's kind of cool but yeah I'm glad Jeff he got two kills <laughs> two <Deserving>. deaths <laughs> Um, and then we get a weird death, which I agree. with Maureen. So she falls down 
the stairs, a la private detective dude. Yeah, and it's kind of Norman's fault, right? Like he he doesn't push her, or I don't remember exactly what happens, but it is an accident. Yeah, like oh, she's like coming up behind him. She's like Norman, like I need to talk to you. And then I think he like just turns really fast or something. It's something I can't remember. He like blames it on mother, but I can't remember. Why? He might be dressed as mother. No, he's not. Because not, this one's definitely, he's Norman. He's talking to mother. Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, she gets, she falls down the back of the stairs and then an arrow of a statue goes There's like into a, her head. It's like a Cupid statue yeah. or something that has like an arrow. he's in love. Can't. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and she like falls back onto it. So the arrow goes like into her brain. Yeah. So I don't, I don't feel bad about her death. <laughs> what we do get is a funeral scene. Not like a real funeral, but in Norman's mind, like he regrets her dying. So there's like candles everywhere. And he's like angelically placed her on the couch and stuff. And he's really mourning her. Yeah. So that's the only time we get any remorse for a death, I think, in all the movies. Yeah. Um, And then the last kill is kind of... Metaphorical. Metaphorical kill. So mother, there's a tussle between the reporter... And yes. Norman. Yeah, I was trying to think who it was. Yeah, it's a reporter. And mother. She finds out that she, the dead body or whatever. And you think Norman is going to slit the reporter's throat, but he ends up slitting mother's throat yes. and all the sawdust like comes out. Yeah. It's I think cool. he get the, chops her head off or something. Yeah, he does. Because she's taunting him the entire time. Yeah. You know, I actually, I kind of forgot. I do sort of like that whole scene in the end when basically he's like, Norman is convinced like, Hey, I'm I'm the ki- I'm killing people. I've got you know I'm I'm back up. And the reporter's like, no, like you're all the stuff with Emma Spool. Like she was lying to you. She was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like you have like she's trying to convince him like you don't need to do this kind of thing. Like not just to save her life, but also because like she's done this for she's done the research. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of interesting. It's a, yeah. it's a good sequence. So those are the kill count six. Yeah. And. Cycle three. <laughs> I told you it'd be funny. It was funny. <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll get into our favorite scenes. Okay. So I'll do mine first because we kind of already mentioned it. So that is the ice death cooler scene. So the sheriff has come to talk to Norman. He's They're all around the cooler by the motel and he's like, he opens it up and he starts taking ice out of it. And then we see this bloody hand sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. Who is the toilet girl. So Norman like hid her body in there cause he couldn't get rid of it. And so it was just cooling it down. Yeah. Um, and so the sheriff is like asking him all these questions and talking to him and, uh, he, he keeps picking ice and then he takes a bloody ice cube and puts it in his mouth. And Norman's just like <laughs> looking back and forth. Cause he's like, this is it. I'm going to get caught. And yeah. then nothing happens. The sheriff closes the cooler. <laughs> he don't taste that blood, apparently. Nope. You should have a, a penny taste, right? Yeah, but I got to the blood. <laughs> yeah. So that's my favorite scene. That's a good one. But it's not as good as mine. <laughs> You're freaky. <laughs> so <laughs> this my is your favorite, favorite scene. scene. <laughs> because it's insane. When suddenly we cut to the inside of Duke's room, Jeff A. Yeah. And he's naked. <laughs> he's sitting in a chair naked. And he's got a lamp in between his legs, <laughs> like a <pink laughs> with like a with like a handkerchief over. It. Over. Yeah. yeah, he's swinging this purple. Well, so first you see Red, who's doing like a like striptease kind of thing for him or whatever. You it's also like, see his entire room is wallpapered with 
boobs and cutouts from magazines oh, of true. naked women. But um, <laughs> creep factor. Yeah. But yeah, so she's doing like a strategy, like oh, you know, whatever. They're on a date, and then they cut to him, and he's naked in the chair with this lamp. <laughs> like he's like swinging the lamp around, like he's yeah. like seriously like putting on a light show. For it. It's so bizarre. I mean, you could easily take the Twin Peaks like a uh, bar music yes, and totally. put it over this scene, and it would totally fit into the Twin <laughs> Peaks universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100% agreed. Um, yeah, but the whole creep factor is how he decides to decorate his entire room, which yeah. is so creepy. <laughs> Very strange. Very strange. Does one man need that many boobs? Probably not. That's <laughs> Jeff Fahey. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite scene because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and very strange. <laughs> All right. So best line. Yes, then. Maureen says, you must think I've gone mad. And Norman Bates says, oh, no, no. We all go a little mad sometimes. Well, you just got to reuse the same quote? Come on. No, I would never do that. Also, it's a different quote. All right. I guess that counts. Maureen's in it. <laughs> so what's yours? Uh, all right. So I decided to go with something a little different, and I went with... Mother, oh, God, mother, blood, blood. Yeah, yours is better. <laughs> oh, well, maybe the next one I'll have a better quote than you. It's a good one. What are you going to do? Uh, do you have any other final thoughts before we get into the what it well, does best? Well, my final thought is... What it does yeah. best, okay. Yeah. Uh, so what is your final thought? <laughs> As I've said, I think for a lot of reasons, this one's the most slasher-esque of the series. So for yes. that reason, it is fun. Like it's very off the rails. Like this is the one movie where you're like, in particular, you're waiting for the kills. And that's like, what's fun about the movie. Mm -hmm. Like the plot is, there's not that much interesting stuff going on plot wise and, you know, camera work wise or, you know, score, like none of that stuff is like, I mean, it's fine, but it's not particularly interesting, but the kills and like just the slasher element of it is what makes this one fun. Yeah. I think for me, it's similar. Uh, I think it has probably some of the best kills because we actually get to see it. We get to see him disposing bodies. We get to see different things he's like trying out (laughs) on his kill list. Yeah. yeah. Um, So a lot more. Mm, We we left the shower and now we're on toilets. So (laughs) it might have the boldest opening of all the movies. Yeah, uh, Yeah. There is no God. I mean, damn. Yeah, I was like, what's going to happen? Honestly, that's probably my favorite part of the movie. (laughs) Because it is so like, wow. This is interesting. We should have kept that same energy for her character. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I I don't... It doesn't even sound like her. Like, Mm -mm. like, yeah, I agree. I wish (laughs) that energy was in the rest of her performance. Yeah. So, I guess that wraps up... Cycle. Three. (laughs) And now we're going to move on to Cycle 4, The Beginning. In 1960, Alfred Hitchcock created a film that is perhaps the most terrifying thriller of all time, Psycho. Now come answers to the questions audiences have been asking for over 30 years. Psycho 4, The Beginning. This is Brian Ambrose on KTK, Talk of the Town. I called because the focus of your show tonight is 
What makes boys kill their mothers? Are you saying you killed your mother? I killed some other women, too. You want to tell us about your mother, uh, how she drove you to become what you became? She'd be sweet one moment, and then she'd suddenly turn mean. Don't you have any respect for the dead? How did it all start? What are you doing here? We're gonna wake up your mother. Kill her. I can't, no. Then I'll do it for you. What makes Norman Bates kill? Look at yourself, boy. Ha, girl. Yes, girl. No. Mama's little girl. No, girl. How'd you kill your mother? Slowly. this be the end of Norman Bates? Oh, I've killed before. And now I'm going to have to do it again. Or is it only the beginning? Psycho 4, The Beginning. Anthony Perkins stars with Olivia Hussey, CCH Pounder, and Henry Thomas as young Norman Bates. Psycho 4, The Beginning. So... Let's talk about Psycho for the beginning, which came out in 1990, directed by Mick Garris. And let's see, tagline You've met Norman, now meet mother. <laughs> uh, Mick Garris, he did The Shining, The Stand, and wrote Hocus Pocus. So I'll forgive him for something. Writing Hocus Pocus is the only. <laughs> positive thing he's yeah ever. so Mick Garris is such a frustrating figure for me because I love him because he's a great uh he's such an important figure in the horror movie community and like I think as a like interviewer and uh producer and uh coordinator like you know he put together Masters of Horror he did like back in his very much younger days he was like interviewing John Carpenter and doing yeah. behind the scenes featurettes for like The Thing and uh, American Werewolf and stuff like that but then when he started making his own movies, they're all pretty unanimously not good. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Shining remake, not good. The Stand miniseries, I haven't seen it in a really, really long time. And I don't think it's supposed to be. Almost all of his movies are Stephen King adaptations. He did like Sleep Sleepwalkers. Um, uh, what's the one with the gun? It's like Riding the Bullet or something like that. And, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of, lot of Stephen King stuff. <laughs> Um, so this is also written by Joseph Stefano. Did he write the original? original? Yeah, isn't that odd? Very odd. 30 years later, he wrote this crappy script. <laughs> um, also, I forgot to say the synopsis for this movie, but Norman Bates recalls his childhood with his abusive mother while fearing his unborn child will inherit his split personality disorder. So the whole premise is... He calls into like a radio show and they're talking about matricide. Yeah. Um, and he's like a special guest and they kind of unravel that he's Norman Bates. He goes by like Ed or something. Yeah, he calls in with a pseudonym. Um, but he's leading a semi-normal life with a woman he met in the institution. He's been released, but he's 
feels trapped by his baby's mom. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's almost like a spoiler. Like you don't really yeah. find out till much later. That's the reason he's like kind of going crazy again is because he's afraid. It doesn't really, I mean, it sort of makes sense, I guess. He feels like he inherited his insanity from his mother, which is the reason why we get all these flashback parts. Mm-hmm. And he's worried that his his wife got pregnant, even though he didn't see specifically, no, never wanted Yeah, to and kids. she's like convincing him. Yeah. I don't like that part. Yeah. Anyway, we can get into the story part. Yeah. So this stars Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. The cycle. <laughs> Henry Thomas, little E.T. boy. Who's also the psycho. <laughs> who plays like teenage Norman. Yeah. Olivia Hussey, who plays mother, Norma she, Bates. She's, what have we seen here in Black Christmas? Black Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and then CCH Pounda. Oh my God. I love CCH <laughs> As like the radio host. What other errands do you have us running for the DA? God damn it, bitch! What other errands do you have us running for the DA? Warren Frost, is he... The um, psychiatrist? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think question. he is. I think he's a psychiatrist who's like, I think this is Norman Bates. Like, he used to work with him. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's the one from Twin Peaks and stuff. And then Donna Mitchell, I think, plays his wife. Connie Bates, yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, let's dive into the story. So, the entire... This movie is definitely like anthology style yeah, more it than is. it's a TV movie. Yeah, so it feels way more TV esque. <laughs> sure. So you get these different, um, like he calls in. He's kind of like cooking dinner or something at home, and he's like very interested in this radio show. And he calls in to talk to them, and then like each segment or commercial break, it kind of like goes back and forth between his story and then him like continuing to cook dinner. <laughs> Yeah, um, but, you know, he's always like every movie. He's always like uh, menacingly um, making food. He's mm-hmm. like chopping lettuce or yeah. apples or whatever. Um, and then the radio host side, they are figuring out that this is probably Norman Bates and they get very alarmed because he says something like, I'm going to have to kill again. Uh, and so they're like, if this is Norman, like we need to find out where he is, who he's going to hurt and stop him. Or else this is all our fault or something. Yeah. So as you're watching, you're trying to like, they're trying to unravel and figure out how to get to him first before he kills his wife. Yeah. And by the way, I just looked it up. Olivia Hussey is also in the original It. She's one, She's the, the girl grown mm-hmm. up. I can't remember the character's name. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's sort of an interesting setup, but... It's definitely the weakest of the four so far up to this point in the franchise. Yeah, and I actually enjoyed the like radio host aspect yes. of him calling in and talking to people. I did not really enjoy all the flashback stuff. Yeah, it's where too they're bad. reenacting basically it. It's too bad because I honestly I think Olivia Hussey and Henry Thomas are both pretty good. They're both fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing because like the original Psycho is arguably one of the first movies to kind of like give you like the origin story of the killer and like, Oh, here's why they did what they did. Um, like really explain it to death in that last scene. And then this movie is like, let's explain it even more. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't think we need an origin story. Like 
it's better not knowing exactly what or like it almost tries to justify it like his mother was crazy what else could he do he was isolated and abused and it's like right it kind of tries to like make it okay yeah and then the ending is just um uh the ending is just so like corny and was like we have to go back to the bates motel like and reenact him deciding whether or not to kill again. Yeah, well, and it feels very... It reminds me of... um. What was I going to say? The ending of some other movie. It's just so like... Uh, Halloween ends where they have to... <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, the fact that like like love wins in the end and he's oh. okay. Oh, the Conjuring movies. That's what I was going to say. It's like a little bit like mm. the endings of those where like love conquers all, except that this is uh, not Conjuring. It's cycle so you know <laughs> good things shouldn't happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i it's don't like to, that the franchise yeah. essentially has like a happy ending it's kind of lame it is kind of lame um trying to think also the all the stuff with young norman and his mom like the mom stuff is too much also it kind of contradicts some of the stuff from the other movies how so where just like his mom it's in the other movie she comes off as like super conservative religious but then she's like having a open affair with this man and strut like strutting around half naked yeah. with him in front of Norman it's like i don't know if i buy this part well yeah it is weird like it, they tried to would, spice it up i well, guess well it would make more <laughs> sense if she did that only with Norman but yeah. like the fact that then she does it with this guy it's like also like yeah i don't know i don't know i mean she's kind of nuts but yeah yeah, I don't know. It's fine, but it's just not that interesting. Yeah. Like, I feel like but, I mean, it's a TV movie, so it's not going to be... It's a TV as, movie by Mick Garris. So yeah. What are, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the performances. We have Anthony Perkins playing Big Norman. <laughs> Old Norman. Big, big Norman. <laughs> so uh, for the most part, it's hard to... I think I like him in this. It's definitely a different like type of Norman Bates because yeah. it's mostly just him talking for like 40 minutes. Yeah, he hardly interacts with anybody until the very and end. And him just cooking a bunch. I'm like, that's nice. He learned how to cook yeah. more than sandwiches <laughs> and glass Toast of milk. Yeah. Um, and he's pretty interesting. And he has, I think there's a few parts where he kind of gets very emotional and intense on the phone. So mm. those parts were interesting. Um any, but yeah, the whole like ending with him becoming cycle <laughs> again, <laughs> it's like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels pretty forced. And then we have Olivia Hussey as mother, <laughs> which she's just, she's too much. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it works all right for me because so is Norman. It's like, I don't know. I feel like she should be like, Uma, she's playing like Uma Thurman, Batman and Robin or whatever yeah, level, bit, sure. and it, but it doesn't quite get to like as awesome as that performance is. It's like stuck in between. Um, so what do you think of her? I think she's good in this. I mean, the, you know, I don't know. She's the right level of like creepily seductive and like just totally outright crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, she's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it works. But again, I feel like it'd be better off if we just never saw what Mother really was like. Yeah. And we either had the mystery. Yeah. Also, like, it would be cooler if he had a loving mother and 
like all they show is the bad parts of her over yeah. and over again. It's like, well, he obviously loved her a lot. So where are the like good parts? Like it needs to be more balanced, I guess. Because it so, is yeah. just trying to prove like this is why he's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we get Henry Thomas as little Norman. Little Norman. <laughs> And he's fine. He's kind of lanky and awkward. I mean, I feel like he does a good job of doing an Anthony Perkins-esque thing a yeah. little bit. This one, this is the only movie I think that I remember where they show Norman in the dress and wig and stuff and doing the mother voice. And it just, it's really yeah, awkward. It, it does is. not work. It's very <laughs> silly. He like jumps out of the back of the car and he's like, drive hard. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> very weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> Um, I wonder how old Oz Perkins was at this point, why he didn't do it. Yeah, that would have been cool. Cool I like Henry Thomas, though. The other thing with this character, I feel like they don't make him awkward enough when he has girls throwing themselves at him. He's just like, okay, let's go. Well, let's I go think make that's out er, early on. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, I thought he'd be more awkward with that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Radio um, host is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's really has a great radio voice, and yeah. she's interesting. She's great, and always. she's like Norman. Tell us more. <laughs> she's like, I don't care what you say, psychologist. <laughs> I'm gonna catch this murderer in the act. Yeah, basically. God damn it, Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Donna Mitchell gets like nothing. It's very weird. She's barely in it. Yeah, she really she's is. Like on the phone with him once or twice, and then she's she is the at end, the end the in the house. Scene. Yeah, yeah so. They didn't really give much for the wife, and honestly, they paint her as, like, not the best for him. Well, boy, not Also, a, the relationship seems weird. Well, she, yeah, she gets pregnant without his uh, knowing. That, and, like, weird. she used to be, like, his nurse or something. Yeah, true. So, maybe a Harley Quinn sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, also, here's a question. Boy, women just seem to love Norman Bates. They do. That, <laughs> that's weird. What's he got? <laughs> um can't think of any other standout performances there's not really a huge cast i no, mean the therapist is probably the only other i don't know person. who plays the the like boyfriend guy i don't remember he's just uh, very macho and rude oh, yeah. oh there's one other weird cast person we should mention john landis remember <laughs> yeah in the radio it's bizarre booth. john landis is like a producer at the radio show that's bizarre director. explain who john landis is director of uh american Ralph in london and uh uh murder of children <laughs> murder of children yeah the whole twilight zone accident thing oh why did you remind me of that yeah, it's awful. oh man <laughs> this was before right before that i think when he was in yeah. Way to bring the podcast Sorry. down. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. Anyway, let's move on to how creepy slash likable Bates is. Correct. Let's do it. So he's pretty neutral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's such a mess at this point because you've also got young and adult Bates. Well, right? rate them separately. Well, young Bates is just creepy because he's like in his mother's dress and murdering people the whole time. Well, he's like rubbing ice on her and massaging well, yeah, he's also, her. And... He's also getting a little boner when he's in bed with his mom. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah he gets a little boner and I think he peeps on her too through the peep Yeah, peephole. for sure. It's lots um, of creepy stuff. Adult per, um, Norman is, uh, I don't know, he's just sort of ominous yeah <laughs> the whole time. He's not very, he's not super likable either really. No, he's fine. Yeah. So, creepy scale, not too creepy. Well, a little creepy creepy. for little Norman, (laughs) but neutral for old Norman. (laughs) Uh, All right. 
Now we're just flying through this. Let's do the kill count. So, kill count. What we got? Do we give the number or go through them all? Four and a half. <laughs> Let's go through them. He killed half of a person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the first one, I think the like the first thing they talk about when Norman calls the radio, uh, he tells a story about when this girl, this like young girl who wanted to sleep with him when he was like a teenager or whatever. Yes, yeah, uh, first victim. Um, and yeah, she's just like this girl is thirsty. Let <laughs> me just say. Um, but yeah, and, and she wants to go up to the house, and Norman's like, "No, mother's sleeping. You can't," or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she does. She sneaks up there anyways, and then Norman in the dress uh, stabs her a whole bunch, kills her. Uh, then there's an older lady who's also trying to sleep with like teenage Norman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, again, these ladies just throwing themselves at Norman. Um, she's like putting on makeup in the car and then Norman as with the mother dress pops up out of the backseat. That's when he says drive car. <laughs> <laughs> and he strangles her and then pushes the car into the swamp. How coincidental. Well, hers is a little more like she doesn't, fully die right and then she's like drowning and screaming in oh, the trunk right. yeah i think he puts her in the trunk and then he hears her like banging on the trunk yeah and she's still alive so she drowns also i wonder if he like puts all these cars at different parts of the swamp I that too. <laughs> like is how like deep a whole bunch is this swamp is it yeah. just around the outer rim or is it all one spot right. <laughs> so these two women are the ones that they mention in the first psycho that have gone gone missing yeah um, then also, also mentioned in all, everything that happens in this movie stuff that was mentioned in the last like five minutes of the original psycho. Um, then towards the end, uh, is when they get to the part where he, uh, Norman poisons his mother and her boyfriend with, yeah, uh, that's kind of simultaneous strict, strict nine yeah. in, uh, in their tea. After they make love, she's like, bring me my tea boy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, here you go. <laughs> Hi mother. She likes vanilla in her sweet tea. And then the boyfriend, doesn't he kind of come back way more times times. than you think he should? Yeah, I think so. I don't remember the mom, how often she came back to life too. (laughs) Uh, And then the half attempted murder is the present day wife who he almost kills, but decides not to because they love each other. Yeah, I can't remember exactly (laughs) what she says that makes him change his mind because it's his it's so lame. I forgot. Yeah, really, really <laughs> lame. Something like, I'm not crazy, so our baby will be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't it's know. It's really lame. <laughs> so that is the kill count. <laughs> so we don't have any trivia for this movie because we didn't look. <laughs> no, I looked. There wasn't anything super interesting. Okay. Let's get into our favorite scene. So, really, my only favorite scenes are the radio interviews portions, and it's not really, like, anything that stands out. It's just him talking. Yeah, I don't know. I tried to think of it, and I couldn't even honestly think of a favorite scene, really. Because usually there's, like, a cool kill or something, and... Or there's, like, a Jeff Fahey with a lamp between his legs. doing blue velvet. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, the radio portion, I guess. Sure. Why not? I'll use that for mine too. <laughs> uh, to copy me. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite line? Um, all right. Well, I'm going to go. I had to think about it. There were a couple of good ones here, actually, surprisingly, mm-hmm. since I didn't like the movie, but I'm going to go with. Mother. Oh God. Mother. Blood. Blood. Yeah. It's better than mine. What's yours? <laughs> 
So I just did when he's on the phone and I think he's talking to CCH Pounder. Oh, at the beginning. He's like, oh, I've killed before and now I'm going to have to do it again. Ah! Commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the only intriguing line I could think of. Yeah, it's all right. Good way to start. He's like, oh, I've killed about a dozen people or something. Yeah. yeah. How many people have you killed? <laughs> Uh, so what do you think it does better than the others? Well, not gonna like nobody's gonna like this answer. Uh, it explains Norman's origins <laughs> in a way we never needed. Uh, I'm gonna copy you on that one. Yeah, it feels very much like a Star Wars prequel problem. Like, I mean, the movie's—it's not like super, super well directed, but it's fine. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing like craft-wise. There's nothing like terrible about it. It's just boring. It's just like there's nothing really that interesting going on. Yeah. So, I mean, how many good prequels are there even in the world? <laughs> Pearl. That's one of the few, I'd say, that we just watched. Yeah, literally just came out. <laughs> oh, this first one came to mind. Yeah. I'm sure there are some decent ones, but yeah, not very many. Most prequels are unnecessary and lame. And when they show up on TV only, it's not going to be any no, better. No, it's going to be good. Because you don't get many gory aspects. Yeah, that too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not super bloody. Nope. So I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but don't watch it. You don't need to. Nah. <laughs> Skip it. <laughs> but you know what? What? It's not the worst movie in this franchise. Somehow it is not. Nope. So that is Cycle. for the beginning. And now we're going to talk about Cycle. 1998. <laughs> best friend is his mother. She just, uh, she just goes a little mad sometimes. <laughs> mother! Oh, God! Mother! longer than i remembered uh so movie number five cycle 1998 the cycle remake of cycle 1960 (laughs) okay so hold on to your butts do we have that on the board no whoops i did something okay never mind so 
Is about. <laughs> I've never used that to death. Oh my God. We got to perk up this uh, last movie because there's a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> or not a lot to talk about. So, synopsis A young female embezzler arrives at the Bates Motel, which has terrible secrets of its own. Although this version is in color, features a different cast, and is set in 1998, it is closer to a shot for shot remake than most remakes. Gus Van Sant often copying Hitchcock's camera movements and editing, and Joseph Stefano's script is mostly carried over. Bernard Herrmann's musical score is reused as well, though with a new arrangement by Danny Elfman and recorded in stereo. Why is all that in the synopsis? Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> Tagline. Like desperately trying to get you to watch this. Yeah. A new vision of a classic nightmare, except it's not a new vision. No, it's the same vision done much worse. Yeah. So director Gus Van Sant, Saint Sant, who is coming off of his Oscar win for Goodwill Hunting. He also did My Own Private Idaho, Elephant to Die For, which I do love to die for. Yeah, we liked that one. It's a Nicole Kidman movie. I've Dark comedy. It's yeah. great. I've never seen Goodwill Hunting. Is it good? I have seen it. It is Oscar bait central. Okay. So not really. That's Robin Williams. Not really my, Matt Damon. My bag. Ben Affleck. It's very white. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't that crazy about my own private Idaho either. I don't, I guess it just wasn't really for us. I remember thinking Elephant was pretty good, but I think in terms of movies about school shootings, there are much better ones. I think that one by, I don't uh, remember Denis it Bellamy too much. Much better. Yeah, I just remember the poster. What's it, what's the new villainous one about it? About the school shooting was it? Called? Uh, sorry, with an I, oh. like in. It's like Technicolor. I Is, can't remember. Oh man. Anyways, go on. So this was written by or based on the novel by Robert Block. Big surprise, and Joseph Stefano did the screenplay, but it's basically just a copy of it. It's the same um, screenplay with just like a handful of little teeny tiny changes. Very very tiny. However, Polytechnic, the name of that movie. Yeah. Um, the cast is surprisingly crazy. Yeah, the cast is But insane. it doesn't help. No. No. <laughs> so we have Vince Vaughn, Anne Hesch, Julianne Moore, Viggo Morgenstein, <laughs> William H. Macy, Robert Forster, Philip Baker Hall. <laughs> Stop putting comments. Chad Everett. Rance Howard, Rita Wilson, James Remar, James LaGrosse, Flea, and Gus Van Sant. I don't remember his cameo. Where is he? Uh, what does it say he played? Uh, man talk. Oh, he plays the Hitchcock cameo. Oh. Or a Hitchcock cameo-esque, like man talking to a man in a cowboy hat in the beginning. <laughs> so, story-wise, it is the exact same story. Mm-hmm. The I guess we could talk about the differences. So, it's in color. Uh, it has updated everything production wise. They, so like new costumes, it's not trying to take place in the sixties. It is trying to take place in 1998, Yeah, which doesn't work. Cause it's just like, Anne Hesch plays, uh, Janet Lee. And she's just like, <laughs> I know she does it, but it, I just feel like she's just wearing like, uh, what are those like jelly shoes? Well, I'm thinking I mean, of my like 90s outfits. I feel like talking about this movie, all I'm going to do is 
go is just run down the list of all the things I hated about it. We can get to that. <laughs> but I mean, one of them was the, the costumes. It's just they're ridiculous. They're all over the place. <laughs> it's like her and um and Julianne Moore look like they're dressed like like. 70s like hippies or something julia moore is more like 90s grunge maybe yeah but yeah Anne hesh is like 90s hippie she's like she's super yeah. like stylish in a really bizarre looking way yeah like super bright vibrant colors and like daisy sunglasses and then william h <laughs> macy is like the private eye is dressed just like the guy yeah. in the original he like he change. looks like he's from the 50s vince uh, vaughn mostly is v- dressed like isn't vigo morganson wearing weird crap too he's like a cowboy yeah it is super weird the whole the and he whole has a weird accent just, oh it's terrible <laughs> the whole thing is just so bizarre yeah and then story-wise we get some extra gross parts <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> Herbert just rolled his eyes so much. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. This movie is like 95% of it is like an exact remake. Like mm-hmm. the lines are the same. Uh, the like story is the same. The characters are the same. But uh, he chooses to change like a handful of little things. And they're all like either totally pointless. Like mm-hmm. there's like one line that changes in the beginning in the opening scene in the hotel room. Um, that's like, okay. And it doesn't make any difference to the story, but then there's like these huge editing differences during all the kills with yeah. these weird, like uh, shots of the sky yeah, and... or like a, a lamb or like, I don't yeah. even know. It's like <laughs> just bizarre stuff they cut to for no apparent reason. It's so weird. It is. That's after we saw weird. the first kill, when the next kill came up, I literally said, I was like, well, let's see how he's going to mess this one up. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just like every time they're just ruined and I don't under, it's so, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't either. And I also like they changed the house too for it's like if mm-hmm. you're gonna keep anything, keep the house. Like why are you changing it to like this? It's not even a cool looking house. It's like all made of brick. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I agree. Um I'm trying to remember Danny Elfman's score. It does sound like a Danny Elfman song when it's playing, but I can't remember it now. I mean, I think it's just the regular No, it's got his little score, like I thought. his little it's not like, bah, 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 yeah, bah, it's like Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Oh, wait, that'd be funny. I've made this way more interesting. Um, you want to talk about performances? Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any any other story stuff I mean, I not like related to the about performances. The story, we're going to talk, start talking about how bad some of the other like performances and stuff. Okay, are. so Vince Vaughn is not well cast as Norman. And he, I mean, the problem is he's trying to do Anthony Perkins' yes. performance, and he's not trying to do Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. Correct. I, I, I don't think Vince Vaughn is a terrible pick, honestly. He's not but, the worst. No, but he's trying to do Perkins, and oh my god, every time he does like a little laugh, mm-hmm. it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Like he comes off as super creepy, whereas it's Norman comes yeah. off as very charming. Yeah. Um, and the line deliveries aren't as holy. Oh, like, and if he's trying to do it, like at least deliver the lines the same. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> it's weird. And then the gross part. Are we talk about yes. It? For some reason, they when Norman is peeping on Janet Lee. <laughs> for some reason, they have him jerking off. Like we do not need that. <laughs> Numerous times, this movie unnecessarily adds extra sexual yeah. sound so in the opening scene too 
There's, yeah, they kind of change that whole dynamic. Yeah, they're in the hotel. Uh, Marion and Sa- Sam, right? Yeah. Are in the hotel room. And you can hear like a bunch of other couples having sex through the walls. It's like, yeah. that's not necessary. <laughs> and they, they make it a point to say it's more like it's an hour hotel. Yeah. Not like a... Uh, I feel like that might be in the original script too, but maybe I'm wrong. It's like a hotel where people don't care, but it's not by the hour. Okay, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um, but, it's just unnecessary. And then there's parts where I think Vince Vaughn as Norma Bates is also just bizarre. <laughs> where he's running around in the outfit. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of weird stuff. But yeah, he just does not come off as a very likable, charming, or Anthony Perkins-esque no, like, character. If you came into the hotel, in the original Psycho, if you came into a hotel and someone like that, Norman Bates, was like offered you a sandwich <laughs> and stuff, you might do it. It wouldn't be that like creepy because he seems like a normal, yeah. likable person. If this one did, you'd be like, I'm getting the hell out of here. This guy is definitely a... Psycho. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's good. He did play the psycho part right. <laughs> Just he couldn't play likable, which is so weird because like Vince Vaughn's pretty charming and funny and yes. other stuff. Agreed. It's Agreed. like, what's going on? Well, again, I think you're right. I think it's that he's trying too hard to be Anthony Perkins. <laughs> okay. So next, Anne Hesh oh, as God. Janet Lee. She's just annoying. Well, I think, I don't, I don't know what her goal was here, but Mm-mm. to me, she plays the role exactly opposite the way she should. And that like Marion Crane in the original is totally fraught with guilt and yeah. worried that she's going to get caught. And in this one, you know, I don't feel like that at all. She's very ambivalent about everything. Yeah. She feels like she's just like, mm, all right, you know, yeah. whatever. I stole the money. Like she feels very, <laughs> yeah, not very concerned about it, which no. really just drains all the tension out of it completely. And then they add like, they do the like inner monologue thing with her. It just doesn't work either. Like she yeah. can't get the facial like I'm very upset and feel guilty about this. Like you said, it's just like it's blank, and, all and, blank. And I'm trying to think. I feel <laughs> like she's kind of rude too in a lot of. Yeah, parts. I don't think I've seen it in Hessian a lot. I feel like Volcano is the only thing I've seen her in, so I don't really know if I can judge if she's a good actress outside of this or not. But she's terrible in this. Terrible. We've seen her okay apparently we've seen her in more things that i don't remember him a lot of people know her probably from six days seven nights that like harrison ford romance where they're stranded on an island yeah volcano john q psycho birth wait wait what psycho (laughs) sorry uh you know what you did last summer don't remember in that the other guys don't remember that and donnie brasco don't haven't seen that Hmm. Mm, so yeah we Probably haven't seen her in a lot of stuff. Oh, is she? Never mind. I was about to say, oh, isn't she in uh, that Godzilla re- remake? But no, no. <laughs> that's another one. And R.I.P. and Hesh, by the way. Yeah. Sorry to totally do do <laughs> on her performance <laughs> like two weeks after she died. <laughs> that is one big pilot. S H I T. So, Julianne Moore, you would think she can do this, she can pull it off. <laughs> But guess oh, what, man. everybody? She, is, she can't. She's so annoying <laughs> in this movie. She's like, I don't know what they're trying to do with her. She's like angry feminist. She reminds <laughs> me a little bit of like an Ashley Judd kind of character yeah. in this, actually. I and I just, they just give her like a Walkman. 
to oh, yeah. make her like cool, I guess. Yeah. And she's like, I got to grab my Walkman before we go to the hotel and find my dead sister. Like, hold oh, on. <laughs> and she like has the like flannel 90s grunge looking like one strap backpack. It's like, mm-hmm. how old are you supposed to be, Julianne Moore? <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, I think we looked it up, but I was like, Julianne Moore is definitely older than Anne Hesh. No, they're like the same age. (laughs) Which is surprising me. It's because Julianne Moore still looks the same way she does in this movie. She still looks like that same age. I mean, Anne Hesh kind of stayed the same too, I've always thought of Julianne Moore as like late 30s, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Because she still sort of looks like that. Um, But yeah, Julianne Moore, she couldn't even save this. So... And uh, Vigo, Vigo Mortensen. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with Vigo in this movie. There is a lot. He's like... A cowboy. Where's he from in real life? I thought he's like Australian or New Zealand or something. I don't think he's from New Zealand. I don't know where he's from. I mean, he has a weird kind of ambiguous accent as it is. Okay. So, yeah, he is an American actor, but I think his parents are Danish. That makes sense. No, he lived in Argentina. So, he has a lot of like different accents. Yeah, that tracks. Um, but yeah, this movie, can't pull it seems like he's trying to do like a Texas accent or something. He's trying to be like a big Texas dude yeah. for sure. And it's bizarre. It's awkward. Also, we were talking about it. He's like stuck in like the 50s too because he's very like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am or whatever. Yeah, and he dresses, he like tucks in his shirt and uh-huh. stuff. It's very odd. He feels out of place. His character feels out of place well, for the 90s. The, the like time period of the movie based on costumes and characters feels all over the place. (laughs) It really does. Yeah. Um, And then the only person that I liked was William H. Macy. I agree. And that's basically because he plays the role just like the original. Like, yeah, but but it feels like genuine. It's his like take on it enough where like, I'm just playing a old private detective. Not like I'm trying to be John Gavin. No, he's good. And, and, and recording, um, I mean, uh, interrogating Norman the way he does is, is equal. I wouldn't say equally as good as the original, but it is good. Yeah. Even if the Norman side of it is not good. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's dressed from like the fifties too. So (laughs) yeah. And then Philip Baker Hall is like the judge and, um, Oh, I don't, I can't remember if we said her name because I don't know her real name. The the judge's wife or sheriff's wife. Do you remember who it was? No. There's the lady from Mrs. Doubtfire who's like, ah! <laughs> oh, yeah. Who, like, the mousetrap on her dress. <laughs> One and, cream yeah. or sh- two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that lady. Uh, and then, yeah, Rita Wilson is the, she's like the, a co- I don't know employee. why she's in this. Yeah. She plays the role that Hitchcock's <laughs> daughter played in the original, right? Yeah, yeah. She seems very, she's like very ditzy in this. And I never really thought Rita Wilson was ditzy. Yeah. So is Rance Howard the boss at the, I at her company? think so. Yeah. And that's Ron Howard's dad, right? Yeah. Um, by the Flea way, Lee shows up for five. Do you want to know something really weird that I learned from what? Star Wars Minute? I, I think I don't think I ever told you about this. They read some trivia that all of Ron Howard's sip, uh, kids, all their middle names are the are the places where they were conceived. Yeah. People do that. Bryce Dallas Howard. Ew. Why would you want to do that? Isn't that creepy? Sorry, Ron Howard. You are a... Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> we had a kid that was like, you know, Michelle McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. That's a real weird thing to do to yeah, your kids. Just pick a city you like. You don't have to tell your children this yeah. is where you were conceived. This is where we decided to do it. 
very weird. Um, anyways, that's way off topic. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And James Remar's like the cop. Uh, He's good as a cop, but Flea, he always plays a cop. Yeah, Flea is like the employee at the at the hardware store. I don't yeah. remember who James LeGrosse plays. Oh, maybe the car salesman. I think he's the car salesman. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So yeah, despite all the big names, no good came of it. Not really. No. Um, and so <laughs> I guess let's do the creepy factor for stuff. <laughs> That's all I got to say. It's a 10. It's a 10. Well, I thought creepy was oh, one. It's a one. It's a <laughs> <Sorry>. zero. <laughs> like, yeah, so, it's so, so creepy. creepy. <laughs> and not in a good way. No, he's very <laughs> unlikable and gross. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a short part. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our kill count. <laughs> Guess what? It's the same. <laughs> yeah. Right? We don't need to go through it because it's exactly the same. But as the we first do one. need to talk about the weird kill stuff. Like how they ruined, you said they ruined uh, William H. Macy's kill. Well, both of them. I mean, they, uh, both kills, they add. Well, let's talk about the shower scene okay. first. Well, it's like most of it is done almost exactly the same. Like the cuts, yeah. the shots, it's all almost exactly the same. The, the, but yeah, they weird things that they added. Yeah, there's these weird cuts to like a stormy sky and like yeah. time lapse. So yeah, and, as she's being sliced and diced, it's very like, I guess that she's, I don't know. One thing they added that I'm kind of ambivalent about because, like, it's kind of cool, but it's also, like, unnecessary. When she falls onto the floor, you can see, like, big open wounds on her back that are kind of gnarly looking. I did think, like, I did think when we were watching the shower scene that seeing it in color and maybe having extra Foley sounds did make it seem more brutal than the first one. yeah. And I do think it was the knife stuff, too, because we never saw that in the first one. Yeah, definitely. So I was like, that's maybe, like, effective if you're going for the gore. Possibly, yeah. And then William H. Macy's is kind of the same way. There was some piece of trivia that, like, William H. Macy said he always thought that that scene looks corny with the rear projection in the original. So he he was like, I'll throw myself down the stairs. And they're like, <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, so they did the rear projection thing. Don't they cut his face too? But yes, they add his face gets sliced up before he falls yeah. rather than like only getting stabbed when he lands. So they just try um, to gore up the kills. A little bit, yeah. But there's also weird cuts to, I think it is like a goat or something, right? Yeah. It's A24's it's lamb. Like even, yeah, it's like even <laughs> less sensical with that kill. It's really weird. Like, yeah, we've never been in his head. Why would we care <laughs> what he's Very thinking strange. of? Uh trying to think of other kills. I mean, that's it. They talk about the other, about the mother yeah. and boyfriend and the missing girls. Whew. So those are the kill count. <laughs> so I guess the, before we get into our favorite sports <laughs> we need to say that apparently Gus Van Saint's intention was that if I don't make this movie then somebody else will and he maybe made it bad on purpose as like an artistic statement it genuinely <laughs> seems like that it like it's more like an experiment like yeah. he was like let's see if I make a movie and make it like uh, construction wise in exactly the same way as the original, but mess up everything else. Will yeah. it still be the same movie, same great movie? And the answer is no. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, I guess I should be grateful because yeah, they haven't really remade 
many other uh, Hitchcock movies. I mean, I think Rear Window doing into, uh, what was that stupid one with, what's his name? I don't know. Suburbia. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Disturbia. Disturbia. (laughs) That's right. Um, That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. It's usually like they just take elements from a movie now and try to do their own spin on it. They don't really do a full blown shot for shot remake of anything. Right. Not of Hitchcock stuff. This is the only one that I'm aware of. I know Fincher's been trying to remake Strangers on a Train for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that'll ever happen or not. But in this economy, (laughs) no one even rides trains anymore. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is. It is just the whole thing is just weird because like genuinely that's the only explanation that makes any sense to me because otherwise it's like he was either Gus Van Sant was either so into it. He wanted to like recreate it exactly, (laughs) but then chose to make really dumb changes. Yeah. Or he wasn't into it. And like, I just don't, (laughs) it's just bizarre. Well, yeah. If he came up with that idea after it got panned, then good for him. (laughs) It's like, no, I meant to do it this way. It's like Norman Mailer when he made that, uh, yeah. Tough guys can't, Tough guys don't dance. Like, yeah, it is a comedy. Yeah. He did. He, (laughs) after it did terrible, he started trying to market it as a comedy. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into our favorite scenes. I you have, have a genuine one. I do, and I think it's actually kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the opening scene, the camera is like a, a helicopter or a crane shot that's like flying over Phoenix and then goes into the window and seamlessly goes into the scene of them in the hotel room, which is yeah. a pretty cool shot, to be mm-hmm. honest. And Hitchcock actually wanted to do that shot and technically just couldn't pull it yeah. off at the time. So that, I feel like, is a genuine, like, cool shot that actually adds something interesting to the movie that wasn't in the original. And that's I, it. That's the yeah. only good scene. <laughs> I really like the lamb from a 24 yeah, having okay. a cameo. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any favorite scenes. So let's move on <laughs> yeah. to best line. I went with what I picked for the first one, which is we all go a little mad sometimes, or I guess I could do this one too. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Except we should have recorded Vince Vaughn's <laughs> Yeah, they do a weird audio thing with that one where there's like a bunch of voices. Yeah. It's like Vince Vaughn's voice and Mother's voice and I think the original Mother's voice Probably. too. Yeah. So what was yours? Um. Well, you know, I just decided just, just to stick with... I do like saying blood. Oh blood. God, mother! <laughs> yeah. Good choice. Well, you know, stick stick with what you know. Yeah. Any final thoughts or complaints about Psycho nineteen ninety eight? Uh, no, this is the worst one in the franchise by a huge margin, and it's a movie I will never watch again. So you have nothing for what it does better. I uh, literally than the wrote others. not a damn thing. <laughs> I put. Kills the franchise in any attempt at a classic remake. <laughs> Fair enough. Although they did that Bates Motel show that people seem to really have liked. I think I watched, we watched, I watched like the, the first, first season. season. Maybe I tried to get into it, but they were dragging it out so much. Yeah. A lot of people seem to really like it. And the yeah. later season, the last season has great reviews. So maybe I would be we'll curious one day. Yeah. Revisit it. See now that we've, gone through all the movies Freddie see Highmore what it like. and Vera Farmiga 
I like Vera. She's a good horror oh, and queen. Somebody, I think, <laughs> does Rihanna play Marion Crane in the end? I think. I think so. It's kind of interesting. Kind of. I think I remember that. Yeah. Uh, so that is Psycho. 1998. Yeah. Okay, so now we're gonna do our ranking of Psycho franchise. <laughs> so I think I can do I can do ours together, right? Okay. Okay, so this is from favorite to least favorite. Yeah. All right, so we have number one. Psycho. Number two. Psycho. Two. Then number three. <laughs> Psycho. Psycho 3. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm going to get tongue tied. Uh, fourth place. Psycho. For the beginning. And then fifth place. Psycho. 1998. <laughs> Correct. That's exactly my ranking too. So they, the they more you watch, the worse they get. <laughs> that's exactly right. They get progressively worse. And they take, it's like, first one's like a 10, second one's like an 8, third mm-hmm. one's like a 6 or 7. Fourth one's like a four or five. <laughs> Fifth one is like a one or a two. <laughs> but I do think one, two, and three. Especially definitely one, one and, two. and two. And then if you want some Jeff Fahey, watch three. Three's <laughs> fine. Like three is enjoyable, but not a great movie. Two is like genuinely a good movie. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's my biggest takeaway from this whole episode and, and franchise is that two Psycho 2 really needs a lot more recognition. Yeah. It's a really cool movie. I don't think any of them are streaming, but there is a great box set we have that has one through four, and I don't think it's that expensive. Yeah, it's just like a Blu-ray box set, and yeah, I don't think But you could probably like find one with just crazy. Psycho 1 and 2 as well, so. Probably. Uh, any final thoughts for, like, the overall franchise? I think Anthony Perkins is a pretty solid... <laughs> who doesn't get as much recognition as he should. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's, like I said, I think he's the best performer in all of Hitchcock's movies. But I mean, the other thing I would say is this is a really weird, interesting horror franchise because it's the only major one that I can think of anyways that starts in the 60s mm-hmm. and starts in like a classic movie era and then gets picked up much later as like an 80s yeah. horror franchise along with the others. like. Yeah, there's a big jump between the first and second. Yeah, which is totally... Which they write into the script, yeah, so it Yeah, and works. very unusual for horror franchises like yeah. Jaws and uh, Hellraiser and Halloween and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. All those sequels came out like within like a year or two at the max. Well, I wonder if it was a licensing copyright thing. Like maybe Hitchcock uh, had the rights to it for 20 years and then mm-hmm. that someone else could finally buy I mean, it Hitchcock after was that. alive for another 10 years after it was made, yeah. I think, or something. Like maybe the 80s is when it was open again. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, Anthony Perkins, definitely worth seeing in Psycho 1 and 2. Yeah. So I would recommend those two movies. I would too. Yeah, I think they're quite good. So I think that is it for this episode. But don't forget, you can always see a list of all the Psycho. movies we talked about <laughs> on our one, letterbox. One <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at Splice Podcast. Let us know what you think. Mother, oh God, mother, <laughs> blood, blood, blood. Let us know what you think about the Psycho. franchise. <laughs> Or what your ranking is. We're drunk with power with our soundboard. (laughs) And we'll see you soon on another episode of...
Cycle together. Cycle together. <laughs> Supplies together. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.